Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Of course, I knew about Arsenal before I arrived. Everybody knows how special this club is. Even though I arrived here as a world champion, I was nobody. I've seen incredible players. If you just put yourself first, then you're wrong. Passionate players. I'll be trying to win it, but I don't see any other way. Invisible players. It was all about playing 100% for my club. I dream of being one of them amongst the best and staying in the hearts of the fans forever. I want to become an Arsenal legend, just like Cherry, Wrighty, Adams and Beckham. Too many to mention. My dad is my biggest inspiration, and he was captain of his club and his country. So it means so much to me to be the captain of this special club. I want to leave a legacy. This is where I belong. This is my family. Hello, I'm Richard, and welcome to my channel over and over and over again, which features everything to do with Arsenal. This tonight is actually my first live podcast that I'm hosting. I'm going to call it the Positive Arsenal Podcast because I want to try to be as positive as we can going into a new season where, at the end of the day, we're zero points off the top at the moment, which is great, but also we're zero points off the bottom as well, but we won't worry too much about that. <laughs> I've, got some, uh, I've got some lovely guests with me tonight to join me as well, so we can sort of you know, look forward to the start of the new season. Um, we'll start with, um, with Alex. To, um, where, where can people find you on, um, on social media, Alex? Hey, cheers for having me on, Rich. Uh, you can find me on For The Arsenal on YouTube and on social media. I'm on Twitter, and that's For The Arsenal underscore. Um, yeah, pleasure to be on you. No, thanks for coming on. It's, it's good, to, good to have you on. Uh, I've also got Andrew. Um, where can people find you, Andrew? Uh, on YouTube, um, from Dial Square to Where. And uh, as it says, well... For those listening in audio, maybe afterwards, it's uh, at From Dale Square on Twitter. Thanks yeah. for having me on, Richard. It's a pleasure. No, it's always it's always great to, to chat to you, mate. No problem at all. And finally, we've got James as well. James, where can people um, find you? People can find me on at James Rowe Anel, not just tweeting about opinions regarding the Arsenal, but also in my interviews with professional players and managers. My latest interview with Chris Bart Williams was released earlier on this evening. Yeah, if you haven't checked out them, please check them out because they're really, really good, actually. I've read most of them and they're, they're excellent. So it's a pleasure to have all you guys um, with me tonight. Just quickly, I'm, I'm, my my channel, I'm, I'm almost at 100 subscribers now. So let's hope we can get it up to 100 while the show's on. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so um, and uh, give it a thumbs up as well if you like what we're doing. So um, obviously, we've got the new season, haven't we, starting this weekend. Less than 48 hours' time, actually, we'll know exactly how we've started um we're away at fulham of course um just really want to get your guys sort of um thoughts really on that first game against fulham what are you kind of anticipating obviously newly promoted side they won the playoffs um so what are we kind of expecting alex if you go first what, what do you what are you sort of expecting on saturday from the game i think it's probably the first season ever where you literally can't predict anything that's going to happen because there's so many different factors uh 
that will influence different results. I think, I actually think this is going to be the hardest Premier League season ever um, for the fact the top 10 is so competitive. And I think the teams who have come into the league, Leeds, West Brom, I think they're both good sides. And as well as Fulham, we'll see how good they are on Saturday. Um, I think with the lack of transfers teams have done, they possibly could hit the ground running a lot quicker than they normally would. Uh, most teams have done very little business. Uh, and in terms of Arsenal-Fulham, I think we've always struggled with uh, newly promoted sides, especially early in the season. And I think this could be a, a much better opportunity for us without the fans and things like that. We're not really a very good away side, but who knows? I think we could get. I think we will get the three points Saturday, but I think it's going to be a, a really tricky game. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Andrew, what, what are your thoughts about the, the Fulham game? How do you sort of see that panning out? I mean, we've, we're historically not very good on the opening day, are we? I mean, uh, we've oh, had yeah. uh, a few really bad results. I mean, I can remember losing 4-3 to Liverpool or, about four years ago. Yeah. Uh, I remember losing 3-1 to Villa. Um, West Ham, I think, beat us 2-1 one year recently. But we've also, you know, had some good results then. I mean, I can remember a 6-1 against Everton as well, which yeah, uh, yeah. weren't too that long ago. That was incredible. Uh, but I really, really think that um, we've got a different ma- we've got a different manager than we've had now for uh, you know a, quite a lot, quite a few years, um, and I think he's going to get us absolutely ready for this match. And I can see a decent win. I, I would. I, I'm very, very confident we'll win. And um, I think we'll win three nil. Um, oh, I've got a couple of positive. That's good. That's what I like to hear. I've got a yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got a, an idea what Mikel Arteta will pick as a team, but I've also got my own ideas. But uh, we can go on to that in a bit if you like. Yeah, no, exactly. We're going to come to that anyway. I mean, James, how do you see it panning out for for us on Saturday against Fulham? Um, I actually think it'll be a draw on the opening day. As, That's um, not positive enough, mate. That's not positive enough. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm being honest. I'm just. No, I, no, think of, I think a lot of people are, are are glossing over the fact that Scott Scott Park has done a great job at, um, yeah. at Fulham. He's done really, really well to get him up. Um, I spoke to his former teammate Jonathan Fortune not so long ago, and he said that even when he was captain, even when he was playing, he had those managerial tra- uh, traits about him on the pitch in terms of looking after players and making sure that they're conditioned and that they know that people are there for them. And I just think there's something about Scott Parker. And um, if, if we were playing at home, I'd uh, I'd be down for the three points. But I think because it's away and it's the opening day, and obviously our pre-season hasn't been great, obviously losing to Villa behind closed doors as well. You know, these things do add up and, and some can be caught cold. So I think um, I think in this particular instance, I think it'll be a score draw. But you're going to be cautious. That, that, that's fine. I mean, to be honest with you, I, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult to, to predict. I think, as Alex said before, it's been a weird pre-season. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Some teams are going to be maybe a little bit further down the line than others. And you might see a few strange results. So a, a, a draw wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. I mean, um, going on to sort of the, the, the sort of starting lineup, and um, if we do it in sort of two parts, really, I mean, what would be your choice of the starting lineup, and what do you think Arteta will do? If we start with Andrew, because obviously Andrew did touch on that just a minute ago, what would be your, your choice, Andrew, to start the game? I would uh, personally not throw caution to the wind, 
but I would really go for it personally, and I would play four at the black back, and I would uh, have a four-three-three. Uh, we've had the unlucky news about David Luiz possibly missing the first month of the season, which is a blow. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I would, I would go with Emmy in goal. I really hope we don't sell Emmy. I'd like to see him stay. He, I think the person um, who is currently in the position should stay in that position because it uh, sends out the wrong message otherwise to the rest of the team. Uh, it says to the, especially the youngsters, if they come in and play out their skin and do extremely well, then no matter what they do, they'll get replaced anyway when the more senior player comes back. So I really think that if you get put into the team in much the same way that Bellerin did when Debussy got injured, that if you play well enough, you should keep your place. And what more could Emmy Martinez do to keep his place? So it may not be number one. May, he may not be seen as the number one. But he should still keep his place because he's done nothing wrong. Uh, you're quite the opposite, as we all know. But I would, uh, I'll play back four of Bellerin and I'll go with Saliba and Holding, purely because I don't think Gabriel's even had a, a, a training match yet as well. So I, th I think he's going to be short. And I'd have Tierney at left back and I'll go Ceballos, Xhaka and Saka on the left side of a midfield with Pepe on the right, either Lacazette or... Uh, Eddie, I'd be quite happy with either in the middle and Aubameyang uh, uh, on the left. So that's what I would do. Mm. That's what I would do. I mean, do you want me to do say what I think that Arteta yeah. would do? What, what do you think I'd say? Because I mean, I, I think that that formation might not be what Arteta is going to do. Possibly, no, but... I don't. I don't think so. I think uh, this is what I think Arteta will still keep the three at the back. I think. Yeah. I hope. I'm hoping that he will go for it with Emmy in goal. I think we'll see Saliba holding and Tierney. Uh, as a back three. I think Bellerin will be on the right and uh, Maitland-Niles on the left with Ceballos and Xhaka in the middle and then Pepe. Again, Nketi or Laka in the middle and Aubameyang up front. So I think he will keep to the same tried and trusted formation that served him so well at the end of last season. But uh, the reason I would do something different is that um, these uh, Fulham... Regardless of what we said, and I, you know, I agree with with you, James. I don't think I'm quite as positive about Scott Parker as a manager as you are. Uh, I think there was quite a large portions of last season that um, he really underperformed, or the team really underperformed. But but they got there, so you can't knock the guy. Um, but I would very much like to really go for the throat in the first to try and make. Um, I don't know. He's, you know, we've been poor against the lower half of the team, lower teams in, in the Premier League. And we really need to make a statement and we really need to go for it. And we need to break these teams down. And we're not going to do that, I don't think, with with the formation that we were playing so well at the end of last season. We know that we saw ourselves struggle against uh, the likes of Brighton and Villa. I think we need to try something different. And I think that um, what I suggested earlier with regards to... Um, a midfield three of Ceballos, Xhaka and Saka. I think if, if Xhaka can, can drop back a little bit deeper to maybe sort of uh, protect the, the, the back four. But if we play it right, with the players we've got, like um, Ceballos can come, come a bit more forward to help unlock that defence. Saka, exactly the same. With Pepe, Lacrosette and Aubameyang or, or Nketiah, We've got the power to to, uh, to unlock that defence. And let's face it, they're going to be a little bit nervous. They're gonna, I'm sure they're going to go into the match very confident and happy and really up for it because they're back in the Premier League. But at the end of the day, 
if we actually start going forward, um, they're going to be rattled and they're going to start getting a bit nervous. And I think that that setup would have the wherewithal and uh, the keys to unlock that defence. And I think we could actually have a really good performance against them. That's that an interesting, interesting idea, actually, because I mean, it's completely <clears throat> against what Arteta's been doing, isn't it? But yeah. um, what, what do you think, Alex? What would be your choice for the starting team, first of all? Um, my choice would is basically what I think is going to happen anyway. And the reason I think that we will, it is similar to Arteta, with a back five or back three, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, is getting results. And I think a lot has been made from, especially rival fans, that uh, it's, it's negative football. But when I've been watching it, I've never found it boring. Uh, you know, there was games under uh, Unai Emery where I literally turned it off after like 40 minutes and... I've never once felt like that in an Ateta game, even if we've had less possession or things like that. So I think that I think it's going to be um, Mark. I think Leno's going to come in goal. Sorry, uh, I agree that Martinez shouldn't be dropped, but I just have a feeling that Leno is going to be our number one this season. And the fact that the rumours are around his uh, possible transfer kind of basically reaffirms that. I think he's going to be in goals. I think it's going to be uh, Bellerin on the right-hand side as wing-back. I think it's going to be um, Rob Holden, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney at the back. Uh, I don't think there's a rush to play William Saliba. I know uh, Gabriel is a little bit short, but the one position you could probably get away with it fitness-wise is as a centre-back, especially in a, in a three. So I think Gabriel is going to be given the nod. Um I think Maintenance Niles is going to play off the left-hand side, as he has done, very similar to the Liverpool game. I actually would have been unchanged uh, in our back line from the Liverpool game if uh, if David Luiz hadn't got injured. <clears throat> I think Ceballos is going to come in for El Neni in that game with Shaka formed a brilliant partnership. And I think Saka and Eddie are going to be the right-hand up front because Pepe's not really played much. Saka's played for the under-21s as well, as well as Eddie. I think they're both going to be much closer to full fitness. And, of course, Abamyang, who's probably the first name on the team sheet. That's uh, that's my lineup. Yeah, no, I, I kind of think that probably won't be far off. I mean, I'm not sure whether Gabriel, I think that's the only doubt I would have on that, maybe, depending on his, on his fitness, I guess, whether he, he'll get selected, possibly. Um, that would be a good choice. It'd be nice to see him play. I mean, James, what do you think, um, what would be your kind of starting eleven? Well, I think match fitness will play a key role, but I just wanted to elaborate on what Andrew said about Martinez. We look so much assured with him in goal. Even as a defence, we look so much assured. I mean, in that cup final and in that charity shield game, there was an air of confidence that, as an Arsenal fan, I hadn't, I hadn't had for ages in terms of our mm. back line and our goalkeeper between the sticks. And that's where it starts. You know, I mean, I mean we paid a lot of money for Leno. But you know, I would argue that if it was Martinez, if Martinez wasn't in goal for the um, for the FA Cup semi-finals and final and charity shield, we might not have won them. You know, and he, he gives a great air of confidence. And and to go changing that now for a new season when we're looking to build, it kind of really sets the tone. So I really, really hope that. Um, but I think it sticks with um, with Martinez. I think it's very interesting that Ceballos is back on loan. I think that pivot with Xhaka could bring us success this season. I hope Saka gets a run of games. You know, that in, 
in his natural position to really bring his confidence up. And it's really about getting off to the season in the best possible start, you know, yeah. making sure that that, that that team we send out is, is the one that's full of confidence. Match fitness is also going to play a key a key role. I'm interested to see about Saliba as well, because obviously with his experience at St Etienne, you know, a lot of people like to um, to kind of um, badmouth the French league. But when you've got a league of the likes of Monaco, Marseille, Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain, Ren are an excellent side as well. You know, it's it's not a farmer's league that everybody makes out. So I think his experience will be key. But um, just just a nucleus on on Saturday of a of a good starting lineup to hopefully get us that, those three points to start the season. Really. Yeah, I mean, I've just brought up. Sorry, can I just say one more thing as well about Bert Leno? <laughs> when people are out of the team, they get they all of a sudden become better than they sometimes were are, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've just recently found a, t- I've found a tweet, which was from last Christmas, and it said, that this is from Opta, Bert Leno has made seven errors directly leading to an opposition goal in the Premier League than most of any player um, in all of the divisions. And I know we were awful then. I know, I know that. We, I'm not. I'm not saying I don't like Burnt Leno. I'm not saying that at all. I actually really like Burnt Leno, and I rate him. I don't want us to get rid of him. Let's let's point that out straight away. But it's not that he's been without mistakes, and I know that we had Unai Emery at the time. So I, I, that's very much got to be taken into account. But he has made more mistakes. Go, you know, especially the one against Chelsea, where he completely made a gaffe. He went over his head. And uh, led to their goal, obviously, and, and did lose us the game. I do agree completely with James. He, he is, uh, Emilio Martinez is so much more confident. I've got so much more confidence in him dealing with crosses. And, and the way that he actually catches the ball, you know, even when he's making sort of virtually point blank saves and, and coming for crosses, he never lets it go. And that is just so reassuring for the defence. And then that... When we're talking about blooding in Saliba and Gabriel, that's going to mean the world to them. It's going to be so much more confidence in them having a goalkeeper that can actually catch the ball and command the area with with so much more authority than I believe Leno does. So anyway, I just wanted to make that point. People can't forget that he has actually made mistakes as well, Leno. He's not the world class. <clears throat> he's not a superhero that everyone is suddenly thinking that he is because he bailed us out so many times and he was the second best player, you know, voted the second best player of the season for a reason, but he's not without his errors. So let's, let's just for, not forget that as well. No, no, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's quite a difficult decision. And I, I actually feel that whoever starts in goal on Saturday is Arteta's first choice for the season, mm. for the Premier League, certainly. So it'll be mm. interesting to see who he does go with. Uh, I mean, personally, I I think he would go. He will go with Leno. I agree with Alex. I think that's what he'll do. Whether he should or not, I don't know. But I do think that Leno is going to be his number one goalkeeper, certainly for the Premier League this season. But we'll see. I mean, I do feel there's a bit of unsettling around Martinez, isn't it, at the minute with transfer and stuff. So that might come into his mind as well. I might think is Leno more focused. Martinez is more thinking about a move. We don't know, do we? So um, I think that could come into it. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what he goes with. I'm quite surprised that nobody. But he's actually thinks Willian might get a start 
I think he'll be on the bench. I think he'll come off off the bench definitely. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him, <clears> and I would actually welcome that. I'd, I'd love to see him play because yeah. I, I think he's a, a much much better signing than any, anyone's giving him credit for. Um, personally, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I would I would not be unhappy with that in the slightest. I think away from home as well. I think he's going to be crucial to be able to create chances. Certainly, teams that are going to sit back on us like Fulham probably will. He could be mm. a tough player to break them down, maybe. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, the starting lineup is always an uh, uh, eagerly anticipated time, isn't it? I always uh, look forward to seeing what it's going to be because you can never. Well, what, read, what's uh, your choice? What's your choice, Rich? I mean, I I've, I would go with the three at the back just because that's what's worked. Mm. Uh, I think the only thing that he might change it for is because David Luiz isn't there. I think he's key to the three at the back, isn't he? Because he's the leader. Mm. And I think without him, we haven't really got anybody to lead at the back. But I still think he'll go with that system because I think it's a system that's worked. So he'd probably play holding in the centre. Um, the possibility that maybe Saliba might play, seeing as he did play in, in one of the friendlies earlier mm. on, um, and maybe Cherney on the left. I'm not sure if Gabriel's quite ready yet. Um, we'll see. Oh, we've lost James for a minute. Um, did, did, did anyone know what's, what what state um, Pablo Marie's in as well? Because I've seen a tweet of him today saying he's all ready and all you know he's got a kit on. Because he he was due to come back to full training in September. I mean, I don't know how far <laughs> off he is though. The last thing I read was uh, he was back in full training end of September. So oh, usually, of September. Like, yeah, usually it's like four to six weeks then, isn't mm. it? Until full yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. I just wonder because I, I think he's going to play a lot more than people no, realize I, as well. Yeah. I do like him. I, I like yeah, him a lot. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably be a good one for later on in the season. I think mm. got the options at the back now, haven't we? I mean, in terms of the midfield, I don't think I think it'll be um, Sabios and Jacob in the middle. I think the wing backs, I think, will be Bellerin and Maitland Niles, just because that's what, what he's stuck with most of the end of last season. And the, the, the front three could be interesting. Obviously, Abame will definitely be on the left. I agree, and Ketty will probably start because he's going to be fresher because of the under twenty one games. His confidence is high. He's got a lot of goals for them. Um, and then who's going to be on the right-hand side? Saka plays really well in the Community Shield. Um, is Pepe ready to start a game? We don't know. Is Willian? That's the choice I think he's going to have to make, maybe, who's going to play on the right-hand side of the front three. I personally would probably go with Saka, actually, just because I, I think mm. he's really well in the Community Shield. Um, and he's just obviously played for the Eng- England under-21s as well. So that's probably what I would do. But I'm not sure if Arteta will. I think if Willian's fit to play, I think he'll probably start him, actually. That would be my mm. opinion in that position yeah. but we'll see I mean um, you can never tell what Arteta's going to do until the team comes out and quite often you look at it and scratch your head a little bit and then the game starts and you think oh yeah that's why he's done that and it makes sense uh, <laughs> well so- I, I, I've, you know with regards to Willian I've got my own theory on that which I've thought from day one about after we signed him so we can come on to that at, uh, a bit further down when we do talk about the incomings and stuff yeah, OK. I mean, what we maybe move on to now is, I mean, obviously opening day of the season, I said at the beginning, it's for me, it's an exciting day because everybody starts level and, you know, it's it's a good, you, you need to, you can look forward to the season ahead before all the negativity started once you've lost a few games. Um, I mean, obviously, I know we've all suffered a few um, sort of disappointing opening days, as Andrew did mention before. Just really want to maybe a few memories that, that you've got of possibly some of the um, opening days through the years, really, that you've maybe experienced yourself. I mean, um, James, you're back with us. <laughs> <laughs> you're frozen again. I think you might have frozen again. I mean, Alex, what yeah, sort can you of, hear um, me? Can you see me okay? We can see you. Yeah, we can couldn't hear you. I don't know if you... you... 
Just, I was going to say, try it without the uh, camera for a bit, see if that helps. Okay. Yeah, can you still hear me okay? What, how's that? That's better. Yeah, yeah. Back. yeah, yeah. You, 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 yeah okay. Back, really. um, yeah, opening <laughs> days. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry about technology, eh? And um, yeah, opening days <laughs> in terms of many, many years. Um, Andrew mentions the, the 6-1 uh, win away to Everton. Yeah, I think it was in 2009. I thought that, that was a yeah. really, really good opening day. Mm. And yeah, then you've got the other side of the coin, you know, first uh, uh, with, uh, with losing to Aston Villa on the opening day at home in a similar situation where the, where the market wasn't, wasn't finished and people were getting a little bit worried. And um, in, in recent years, we haven't started very well on the opening day. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I remember struggling to, I think it was a 1-0 win against West Brom in 2000, you know, thinking about the Emirates era. But, um, you know, no, no two seasons are the same. And it's also going to be strange without fans in the stadiums, you know, because it's, it's something yeah. that people really look forward to, you know, to go in, planning, planning in your games and, and what you want to do. And, you know, I, I come all the way to um, from the Netherlands for Arsenal matches these days. So it's a long trip. But, um, yeah, and normally you're always booking flights and booking hotels and that kind of thing. And, and in the current climate, I'm not. So it's a little bit strange. But, um, yeah, the, the memories last a lifetime in terms of opening day. So um be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Hopefully it'll be a good memory this, this year with a bit of luck. Uh, I mean, Alex, what, what, what sort of some of your memories from the opening day that you... Uh, you um, a couple of memories yeah. I can remember. Um, the first game at the Emirates, I think we drew one all with Villa, late Gilberto yeah. goal. Um I think last season we even though we didn't play well, the two wins, you know, I can't remember how long it's been since we'd done that. And we could have gone into that Liverpool game full of confidence and played without any pressure. That's the sort of a start we need again this year. I couldn't care less how we play in terms of our performance. I just the three points in these sort of games. Um the one that sticks out for me was the the Leicester game. I can't remember. Was it the four three where Lacazette opened the score in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, well, I thought we'd found our Ian Wright. It hasn't really panned out like that for him, unfortunately. But I just think I couldn't care less how we play tomorrow. It's all about the three points for me. Uh, not tomorrow, Saturday. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think the first game is, is getting a good start, especially I think for us um, this season, Arteta's first full season starting. I do think it's important that we do get off to a good start. And, it's you know, it's a difficult game away from home, whoever you play on the first game. So, <clears> if we can win, I think that would be good. I mean, Andrew, what's, um, I know you sort of mentioned a few before. I mean, what sort of memories stick out for you on the first day? Yeah, I, I think the best memory I... I've got personally, it was when, because uh, I, I first started, because I've, I've been supporting Arsenal since 1980, but not the season after the famous 89 um, season, uh, season, obviously we won, it, uh, won the league, I, I started to go on my own. So I was just about turning 17 then. I was just, well, 16, it's good, turning 17. And I just... Uh, started sort of travelling to the game with one of my mates and stuff. And, uh, you know, I really started feeling like I was one of the big lads and I was going on my own and all this sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> I was a proper gooner standing on the North Bank. And yeah. I, I remember the season after the 89 one, I went, it was uh, away at Wimbledon. And I remember the, I mean, the ground is so 
oh, it's awful. The ground is just a, a horrific, horrific. And um, yeah, when you literally, like, you stand on this concrete. There was no, there was no stand, and like there was just like weeds growing up in between your feet and that sort of stuff. <laughs> and I remember yeah, going there. Yeah. I remember, funnily enough, I remember going to a Boxing Day match there as well, and it was the most freezing cold, dour game as well in the, I've ever seen. And um, thinking what the hell am I doing with my life it was like one of those one of those fever pitch moments you know where you're just standing there and I had sort of snow blowing into your face and horizontally because of the wind anyway this this one was particularly exciting because it was it was away and we won 3-0 and because we just won the league the season before I just had that feeling again that it, it was just going to be all, all the same again you know I was at because I was so young, you know, I just thought this is how it's always going to be then, you know, and I thought, well, I just thought there's no stopping us. We've won the league with the champions and we, we won the, the opening game 3-0. And uh, yeah, I just thought that this is it. This is it. We're the best team in the world, you know, and nothing's going to stop us ever. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously it didn't quite work out um, that particular season, but uh, yeah, I was just so excited. And I just wish every opening day would, I, I had that feeling, you know, again. But it's a, yeah. it, there's nothing like it, is there, when a, a new season starts and everyone's starting from yeah. the same point. And um, it, it, that's, what we, that's what we love about football. And, you know, you'd never do anything other than be the most optimistic person in the world about your club, will you? You know, you always think this could be the season. Yeah, you do. And unfortunately, with Arsenal, if, if you think like that, you may be called deluded and stuff like that. But I, every single season, the, the first game of the season, I'm convinced we're going to win the league. I'm convinced we're going to win the FA Cup. I'm convinced we're going to win everything. <laughs> and then three or four games into the season, I'm convinced we're going to get relegated usually. So, um, it, don't, don't, you, don't you get that different feeling, though, this season? This season, though, I, I feel more excited than since, you know, the oh, early days of Wenger. I mean, yeah. last, last season, I just wasn't excited about it at all, just because the way no. we did the season before, Emery filled me with no excitement at all. So, um, you know, in the end, the season finished a lot better than it began for me, definitely. And hopefully this season, like you said, I mean, with Arteta in charge, I do feel that we can be optimistic finally. And, and that op optimism, not to be deluded optimism, as maybe I've had previously, I actually feel as though we've got a good reason to be optimistic for this season because yeah. I think we've got a great chance to, to achieve something. I mean, we'll go on to it a little bit later on exactly what, what we, how we think the season might go, but I'm feeling optimistic at this moment in time. And I mean, there's been so many good opening days, actually. I know recent years haven't been too good because we, we have had a poor record, actually, in recent years on the opening day in terms of results, certainly. I mean, the Everton one was a great one, wasn't it? That 6-1 was unbelievable. Mm. I think that's been our, our highest ever opening day win in the history of the club, actually. Mm. I mean, I, I was with my son that day when we went. That was brilliant, that. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't happen very often, um, obviously, recent years. But, yeah, I can remember the Wimbledon one. I remember the other Wimbledon one, the start of the season in 89, when Alan Smith scored a hat-trick. Mm. Um, that was a great opening day, that was as well. Um I don't think anyone's ever scored a hat trick on the opening day before. Well, I'm aware. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so underrated, was, underrated striker he was. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah, so I mean that was a great opening day as well. But yeah, I mean the Wimbledon but, ground was terrible, wasn't it? That terrace behind the oh, goal. Oh, was horrendous. But I yeah, that, uh, right at the back, I could hardly see, and it was just. But we won't but buy you know how I feel though at the moment. I I I feel like a kid again when it comes to the new season because of having this manager in charge of our club. And the, and the thing is, I. I feel like 
it's, it sounds a bit strange, but you know, like a lot of people nowadays forget that football existed before the Premier League start started. You know, it's all about the Premier League now, and everything that happened before didn't happen. It doesn't matter anymore. But the way I feel now about Arsenal in a similar sort of way is that people are going on about, oh, we we don't normally do well there. We don't normally do blah blah blah. I feel a bit like that, like the, the Premier League. I, it doesn't matter now because we've got a, a manager in charge of our club. And a lot of people rate him. A lot of people think, oh, he's, he's great. But I still think they're underrated him. I think he's better than a lot of people think. And I think that whatever happened before, that doesn't matter anymore because we've got a new beginning. You know, and that, that's the way I feel. I can't help it. I think I can see stuff that he is doing tactically on that pitch. But more importantly, what he can do with the players in their head, mm. you know, to get them to, into a team that was heading towards the drop in November, December, turning them around. Uh, yes, our, our results weren't, you know, uh, title-winning sort of results uh, since he came in, but the, the, the turnaround is absolutely phenomenal. And what I see in him as a coach it just fills me full of, of hope and expectation. And I think we're going to do a lot better than people think next year. I really do. Even with yeah. the you know, Even with the squad as is. But I still think we're going to add a couple. But I, I, even as is, I still think we're going to do really well next year. And we're going to be very, very much um, hard to beat. Yeah, no, no I mean, I, I mean, if we move on to sort of the transfer, actually, the transfer window, because, um, you know, I think it's been a little bit frustrating, hasn't it, Adam, so far? Um, a few a few players we've been rumouring buying and getting in and hasn't happened. A few rumoured to be going out and it hasn't happened. And we seem to be not really done an awful lot, whereas some clubs obviously have, have done quite a lot of business already. So it has been frustrating. I mean, how do you feel about the transfer windows, Alex? We start with you on this one. What, what, what do you feel about the transfer window so far that we've done? Obviously, bear in mind, we've still got another three or four weeks to go. Um, I think so far, William, Gabriel, uh, Mari, Cedric... I mean, I think that's the bare minimum that we needed, especially with Gabriel. We we definitely needed a centre-half, and I wasn't sure if we were going to buy one because of how many personnel we have in that position. So really glad that we, we added him, and obviously Saliba joins, of course. Um, I just think in the midfield area, we're one injury to Shaka or Ceballos away from a disaster at the moment, and... We have to address that. We have to because we well history has shown we can't really rely on on Ozil and Gunduzi. Who knows where their minds are? We have to bring in someone, at least one, at least one. Uh, that's that's my thought on the window. I think all the rest of the positions we're we're looking okay. I'm obviously goalkeeping probably the strongest we've been in decades. Uh, I think right back with Bellerin stays. We've got Cedric, we've got Maitland Niles if he stays, I can cover there. Left back, you've got Tierney, Saka, Maitland Niles as well. Uh, on the wings is probably our strongest area. And up front, we've got Eddie and, and Lacazette. So I think the only position really, I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but in terms of uh, getting in that top four, I think we're, we're a couple of midfielders away still. And that's what worries me. Yeah, no, no, I agree. James, James, what have you made of it so far with the business that we've done and the business that we potentially still might do? I know there's still a few weeks left, as I said. Um, I think we've missed a trick. Um, I was advocating before the season ended that before spending any money, go through the youth academy and the players that are good enough, bring them into the first-team squad. 
Well, obviously, we're in a worldwide pandemic where countries are struggling, clubs are struggling, you know, people mm. are struggling to get by. You know, we've always profited from our youth academy, regardless of your Arsenal generation, your formative years as a Guna. We've always had great players come through the youth academy. And you, you take Daniel Ballard, for example. Daniel Ballard played international football for Northern Ireland the other night. But apparently, according to some Arsenal fans, he's not good enough to play for Arsenal. But yet, he's good enough to play international football. So therein lies your problem. I still think a lot of Arsenal fans, particularly at social media, rather than looking at the character of a player, they want to judge a player on his price tag. Oh, he's only worth £15 million. He must be rubbish. But look at the previous <laughs> and look at what's gone before. I'm in a privileged position where I interview professional players and managers on a regular basis. And I've spoken to many, many players who have been signed by one manager at one club, not got a game and had to move on in order to kickstart their career again. Timing in football is everything. You might sign for a club and you might think everything is dandy. A new managerial change, a manager might not play with wingers, for example. And I just think that before, before spending the money, especially for Gabriel, we already had 11 defenders. And that's without Ballard and McGuinness. I mean, obviously, maybe, maybe for me, it's a little bit different being based in Amsterdam and, and watching firsthand what Ajax do with a youth academy where De Ligt was playing first-team football in European football at the age of 17. You know, he's obviously now playing for Juventus. But if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I think going forward, what, we, what we've got to do is start to build a spine and where, you know, you know the nucleus of... Um, of six or seven players who are going to play. I mean, I know times have changed and people have changed, but the Arsenal in the early 90s, people could literally reel off the starting eleven every single game. As I say, I know football has changed. But I just think, um, I mean, you take Zach Medley, for example. Zach Medley played European football for Arsenal, was on the bench for Premier League games, and now he's on loan at Gillingham. What must be going through his head? That one minute, as a young defender, you're playing European football, you're, you're in contention to play Premier League games, and now you are on loan at Gillingham. And these mm. are the types of things that Arsenal fans, especially the younger generation, don't really seem to want to understand. You, you're never going to get it right all the time. But I just thought that we had an opportunity to, to find a really good mix this summer. And I just think that we've kind of missed the, missed the trick at youth level. Because, you know, we bring these players up. We give them the opportunity to train with Arsenal. I mean, I spoke, I spoke to Charlie Gilmore, who left Arsenal as recently as last summer. And he mm. went on, he went on, signed for Norwich and went on loan to Telstar. And when I spoke to him, he said to me that um, when you play for Arsenal at youth level, everything is handed to you on a plate. You get the best coaches, you get to travel the world. And naturally, when you leave the club, you think that, people queue around the block for you. Not in an arrogant sense, but just, you know, you've come through the youth set up at Arsenal, so you mm. must be good. But obviously, at championship level, for example, in the case of Charlie Gilmore, and obviously with, um, with Norwich as well, they were Premier League, of course, but now championship. They didn't want to take, they didn't want to take the, the, the chance on a young boy in a man's game. And I just look at Arsenal in terms, in, in terms of the bigger picture, and I just thought, I just think we've missed a little bit of a trick. But as I say, that's just my personal opinion. Can I, no, can I, can, can I come in there just for one second? Yeah, well? no, why not? Yeah, I was going to come to you anyway, yeah. Because I, I was going mad at the end of last season, in, in, in the summer, about 
us getting rid of Christian Bielik. I was desperate for him to get a chance. You know, he did everything we possibly wanted him to do and came through it all with flying colours. And we were talking about going after these other young players from across Europe who were the same age as him. And we'd just binned him off for 10 million quid, you know. And I, I feel exa- I put a thread out on Twitter about, I think it's about two days ago, um, mentioning Kai Havertz. And the fact that he made his debut, he's 21 now, he made his debut um, in 2016, you know, because a manager put their faith in him 100%. And look where he is now. You know, you you can expect a few inconsistencies in the first uh, year or so. But if you're a, uh, a fan of Arsenal, you support the players on the team, you don't go after a 17-year-old who has got bags and bags of talent. And I was talking about, uh, I mentioned Kai Havertz, but what I was focusing on was Emil Smith-Rowe, who I believe in. I really, really believe in the kid. And he has got bags of talent and bags of potential. And people are saying he's too young at 20. Now, if you've got, look at what's happening in the Bundesliga and uh, in the French League at the moment, and how many young players are being nabbed at a really early age by teams in the Premier League. Why don't we play our own players? Like James was saying, Emil Smith-Rowe could well go on to be one of the best players in this position in Europe. But uh, without getting games, we ain't going to get the chance to do that. And the same goes for Gabriel Martinelli. I mentioned that if we shoved him into the team... um, Now, I mean, this was a a while ago when we didn't know whether Aubameyang was going to stay or what. I said I'd be quite happy to play... Martinelli, as long as we've got someone to rotate him with for every now and then so we don't get burned out. But I'll be happy to put him in there because the guy has got the mentality as well as the talent. He is determined to be the best player in the world, Gabriel Martinelli, you can tell. But he, and if he gets a good run in the team, he wouldn't let us down, I'm sure. I feel the same about Emile Smith-Rowe. Now, if he could actually get um, put into the team and have a run of games and actually get backed... And not get berated if he if if a pass goes astray or he misses an easy chance or whatever, and just let him get that experience in the Premier League. Who knows where that kid could be, you know? And and it just you just need a manager who believes in them like they do in the Bundesliga, you know. That all these young, great, new, vibrant coaches coming through in in the Bundesliga and actually giving these kids a chance. And look what's happening to them all. We everyone's yeah. saying we should we should we should follow the. The the way that um, Borussia Dortmund do it, in the way that the um, God, mine's gone completely blank. The other team in the Champions League, um, uh, Leipzig. Sorry, Leipzig. look at the amount of young youngsters coming through there. But they are trusted, you know, and they're trusted. Look what they they're repaying that club over and over again, and and then they they sell them on for eighty hundred million quid. But, you know, would they just need to, to have the belief and have that sort of trust and, uh, to you know, in their managers just to shove them in a team and just let them do what they can do best? And, and we don't do that enough. I just think maybe the, the problem at the moment with Arsenal is that we've been on a bit of a downward trajectory, haven't we, over the last few years, you know, dropping out of the Champions League and obviously finishing eighth last season in the Premier League and... Um, is that the right time to, to throw some youngsters in when we need to... Well, we, we can't get any worse. 
forward. Well, you know, that's, yeah. that's what the transfer window is for as well, isn't it? To improve the squad. And I think that we do. We have needed to improve the squad. And I think we've done that to a certain degree so far. We knew, we need more. I agree with Alex. Midfield is we are desperate. And can Smith-Rowe come in and do that job now? For this he, season, I don't know. I don't know he if he can. can. I'm not saying, like, you know, you don't go and buy a party or, or someone like that in the midfield, which we desperately need, obviously. But if you give the, we need to give these players a bit of a chance as well. Not just start bringing in, um, you know, this talk again. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it, about um, Julian Draxler and all this. Just yeah. forget about those. I mean, he he's 26 now. He's never done it anywhere he's been. So why not just give those give the minutes to to someone like Emil Smith Rowe? I'm not saying you know you have to play every single minute of every game, but play him. You know, be, let him be part of a, the, an active part of the squad. Definitely play, get him to play all the cup games. But I would still use him off the bench, you know, even well, like half an hour to go in the Premier League because they need to get that experience. And he's 20 now. He's not 17-year-old anymore. You know, so he, we need to do that. Otherwise, because, I mean, there's already talk of clubs in Germany and, and Monaco most recently wanting to buy him off us. I just, I yeah. would just be so, so disappointed if he left without having a proper, proper go at it within the club. You know, I'm not saying he's the answer to all of our um, problems. I know that we need to buy some decent players because we, we desperately need to get back in the top four because of the financial aspect of it. But we can't let that completely take over because we need, we, we're actually supposed to be doing a rebuild. We need a whole new rebuild. And that's why I was annoyed about um, thinking we're we going to get rid of um Maitland Niles, just as he's coming to that perfect age of 23, and he's starting to, he's completely bought into the Arteta philosophy, and he's showing what he can do on the pitch now, and his mentality has changed beyond belief. And then we sell him, you know, obviously we're not now, but when that came up, selling him to Wolves, who was a team that we're going to be competing for to get into the top four, let's not forget. Yeah. Why would you do that when you're in, you're in the midst of a, a big, big rebuild? You know, so we need to actually start backing some of these players and giving them minutes and, and giving them some belief and us as fans giving them some support. I think that's really yeah. important. Here, no, I can't agree. Obviously, Here. Melvin in the chat agrees as well. So thanks for your, your comment there, Melvin. He, he's a big fan of your view there, Andrew, as well. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Thanks, Melvin. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I agree. Andrew we makes some great points. Yeah, go on, James. Andrew makes some great points, but the fan base has got to understand. I mean, look, look at the way that Andrew has put that forward. Right, He's put that forward in a clear and concise manner that everybody can understand. I'm along the similar lines. When we signed Gabriel, I put out a tweet saying, in my opinion, this will block the pathway for McGuinness and Ballard. You don't want to know the abuse I received. Absolutely unreal. All I was saying was it blocks the path off the pathway of a young defender in order to that's come through the youth set up at Arsenal that Arsenal have invested in. And you can understand why Emil Smith if if Monaco come in for Smith Row, as I also as I have also read, you can understand why he would go. You could I mean Monaco's youth academy has yeah. always literally been the jewel in that club's crown. Always. If you go through the history of Monaco, the jewel in their crown has always been their own academy or picking up young players from other academies as well. Mbappe. And, um, you, yeah, well, not Thierry Henry as well. 
and um, yeah, well, I'm just saying, Mbappe and was given a chance when he was 18. You know, if the manager at, at exactly. Monaco hadn't given him that chance, where would he be now? And I'm yeah. saying the same about Martinelli. No, I, I, He's not too young at 18 or 19 anymore. Look, how old is Erling, ha- Erling Braut Haaland? About 19? Yeah. You know, everyone wants us to go out and buy Spozlai. Who's to say that uh, Emil Smith Rowe isn't just as good, if not better than that Spozlai, whatever, however you pronounce it? But it's just because they, they're abroad. They seem more glamorous and we need to spend money to go and get them. It yeah. seems more that that's what you should do. But you might have them in-house. You know, I, I think I think that uh, <clears throat> I think Emil Smith-Rowe could quite easily be better than that Spozlai. Genuinely. It's created this situation, hasn't it? Because there's a transfer window, fans want the club to buy players, don't they? Because that's what a transfer window's for. And that's created that issue, hasn't it, really, where... If you don't spend any money and you promoted all your youth players, there would be uproar among the fan base. We're paying season ticket prices. We we expect the clubs to invest that money back into the, the playing squad. And that's what the, the problem would be if they didn't do that. I mean, it's, it's getting the balance right. I think Arteta's got the right ideas. He's given a lot of the young players a chance, hasn't he? With, with Stacco, he's, he plays... He puts a lot of faith in him. He's put a lot of faith in Maitland-Niles, Reese Nelson. He's been picking quite a lot. And obviously, Eddie up front as well. So, um, he's, he's picking them ones, isn't he? Yeah, I don't think he can throw them all in, unfortunately. The, and- same, the same fan base, though, would go mental if we did actually end up selling Emil Smith-Rowe without giving him a chance as well. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, mean, I would <laughs> go mental. I, 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 was, I was really pissed off. Like, Pardon part of my language. Um, last summer, like I said, about getting rid of uh, Christian Bielik, so I, I was desperate for him to get a chance. But yeah. I, I tell you, I tell you now, <clears throat> I, I, Saka is incredible, lovely, lovely kid, amazing yeah. talent. I, all, I've, I've thought for at least two years about this great crop of youngsters we've got coming through. At the same time, that Emil Smith Rowe could be the best of the lot. Now, if we don't, if we lose him without giving him a chance, like the same we've given him a chance, uh, chance to Saka, then, I mean, what's the point? What's the point in having a, a, a grade one academy if you're going to get rid of one of your best ones without even giving him a chance? I totally get what you mean uh, about you can't throw them all in, but Man United did in '92. And look, you can never win anything with kids, can you? <laughs> now, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't expect them all to start in the same the same team every every week. But they all need to be included and feel part of the squad and get yep. their share of minutes. And I I, I, I agree uh, with with James. I mean, regards to Zach Medley, I've I've seen him play in person a few times. Great player. There was also, and his name escapes me, who played against MK Dons. He actually played on the left, um, left back. Um, the massive, powerful, big, uh, a black guy who, I don't know, what's his name? Uh, escapes me. But he had he had an incredible game as well. Uh, but the the one thing I would say about that, James, is that it is far harder to put a centre-back in immediately without sort of gradually introducing them via the cups and so on and so forth, because mm. that end of the pitch, mm. if you make a mistake, you, you're behind, aren't you? you? You give a goal away. So oh. I do understand that they oh, need so- to be... But they can play all the cup games, can't they? You know, in the early rounds of the Europa League, I, I totally <coughs> agree with you. Can I jump in there? Sorry. I think... 
I agree with what you're saying, guys, uh, James and Andrew. I don't. I think Arsenal is the wrong example to use uh, these sort of. Well, I mean, Smithrow, I think, is a, an extreme example because I agree with you. I think he's the the biggest talent we've had since Wilshire. But in terms of Arsenal, last season we played on average the youngest team in the whole Premier League. So I think Arsenal's a bad example. I think we in in this current climate we have in the Premier League play as many youngsters as we possibly can. And you bring up Germany, France and and um the Eridsville as well. The, they they're not the Premier League. I mean Dortmund they could put their reserves out and finish second in the league. Monaco, I know they're trying to bridge the gap. But with Arsenal and Unai Emery is a perfect example. If you don't get it right fast, you're sacked in twelve months. And that's the standard of the Premier League. And, uh, you know, Zach Medley and, and McGuinness, people like that, no disrespect to them, but would they come in and keep a clean sheet against Chelsea away? I, I, don't, I can't see it happening. And the pressure's instantly on them then. And that's, that just doesn't help. Every cup game we have, we always rotate with the youngsters in there. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we cannot play 11 youngsters in in the Cups against these, you know, like Man City's reserves are probably good enough to challenge Bayern Munich in the, in the league. So I think Arsenal actually, in terms of bringing youngsters through, do as much as we can. You know, we're competing against teams like Chelsea who spend 200 million. I, I, I actually think Arsenal do as best we can in that regard. Yeah, but Saliba is younger than Zach Medley, you know, <clears throat> and we're going to trust, we're going to put all our trust in him. Yeah, you but know, that, yeah. That, that's clear. He, that, he, William Saliba's he, clear player profiling, isn't it? They've gone for someone big, quick, fast. In, in, in the Farmers League, though, who has only played 20, 20 odd games. You know, yeah, it's but, the same, but, but he, we're putting all our trust in him. And I, I don't disagree with you at all. And like I said before, defence is a different kettle of fish because they can't be thrust straight into the the Premier League and expect to be, you know, another Virgil van Dijk from the first match that they play. And if they do make a mistake, then we, we're at risk of giving a goal away. So I completely agree. But what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is, because we've gone out and bought William Saliba, a highly promising young defender, um, who, who, let's face it, has hardly played any first-class games. But because we've gone and bought him for £27 million, we fully expect him to be one, virtually the finished article and much better than the defenders that we have been grooming in our under-23s for the last two, three, four years. So, But what do we actually base that on? Yeah, what, Will, what, William Saliba's they've confirmed, haven't they, that he was part of this new player profiling scouting system. You know, he's six foot four. He's built like you know, like a bodybuilder. That's player profiling. I don't think we've got anyone like that, and that's a big defender, like as someone we've lacked for a long time. But I, I think centre back. You get my only, point, though. You get my yeah, point. Yeah, I get uh, your point. I'm delighted with the William Saliba signing. Right, I, I am, and I, I do apologise for but, butting in there. I want to get my. I want to just make sure that I'm just making myself clear that I don't disagree with those signings because we. We've been crying out for that defence for years. And they could be our defensive partnership for the next 10 years. I'd be absolutely delighted if that's the case. But at the, at the front end of the pitch, especially in the wide positions where Smith Rowe could play, you much it's so much easier to blood players in the front end of the pitch because you can get away with the odd mistake. 
you, you, you can uh, but we need to we're, we're blessed at the moment we're overflowing <clears throat> and we can't they're not all going to make it at Arsenal but we're overflowing with this talent and uh, people are still going on about Serge Nabry uh, years down the line you know so we, we've, we've got to see what these players can do we're in high pressure situations and we're only going to get that if we do give them minutes so as much as I'm, I'm going to go on to the fact about Willian, I'm actually quite ha- I'm happy with that signing. I wasn't initially, but I've, I've, it's actually really grown on me. And I, I think that he could play a big part this year. But when he first signed, I thought, it's another pl- it's another nail in the coffin of Emil Smith-Rowe who could play in the same sort of roles that where he can play. And it does do my head in a bit, but I just really hope to God that we we do start blooding them because I think we could miss out on some real gems and we don't want another Nabry situation, do we? But I do agree with what you've said as well, Alex. I do completely. But I just want to make sure that we don't just let these players go without just seeing the best of the best of our crop of youngsters. I just want to see them in a team as well because there's nothing more exciting than seeing a team full of, you know, our own talent, you know, our own players that we've actually uh, cultivated through our academy system. I I lived through the 89 season and the team was full of our youth players. You know, uh, there's two or three, four players maybe that were were brought into the club from externally. The rest were our players. And it, it makes it so special that we are doing it the right way and we're not trying to buy the league like Chelsea are doing and like Man City are doing. We're doing, we, we can do it organically, the right way. And, and that makes it even more sweet when you win cups and leagues, and which we hopefully will do further down the line. No, no I agree. I mean, the, the only thing I, I would want to add to that really is, obviously, in terms of buying the league and buying trophies, I mean, what do we make of this, a Bamian contract, the, the amount of money that it's supposed to be worth even higher than what Ozil, the bigger contract than what Ozil's on. I mean, is that the right decision for the club to have made? Obviously, he's an important player that we need to, to keep if we can, but is that not setting a bit more of a problem, similar problems that we suffered with Ozil, do you not think? Or or is, is Aubameyang a different a different issue and maybe we should be giving him that contract? Bearing in mind, it's, it's probably going to affect now who else we can bring in, I would assume, bearing in mind that the money the club's lost with, the, with all the COVID situation and whatnot with you know, people that's lost their jobs inside the club and whatever. So you're guessing that the money's a little bit tight. So is this the right thing, basically, to offer Aubameyang this bigger contract when we might not have necessarily needed to give him that much, maybe? I don't know. What, what do we think about that? I mean, what, what do you think, James, on that, the contract to Aubameyang? Uh, well, I, I just think that I believe that we're, we are now in a position where we are paying Aubameyang, Ozil and William in excess of three quarters of a million pound a week of a wage bill and obviously being in a in the, in the unprecedented times we're in to go back quickly to the point that Andrew made about that 89 team that was blooded through though those men became legends those men became legends coming through our youth setup but obviously in yeah. this day and age people have got no time for legends have they people have got no time and no patience and when you have a different opinion they want to shoot you down in flames straight away but um, I just think with Aubameyang's age as well, you know, who's to say with the, the ages of Willian and Aubameyang, who's to say Eddie, you're not going the same, you're not going to get the same situation with Aubameyang or or uh, Willian in the next season or two. 
and they're signed for two or three years and they're on huge wages. You, you imagine if Emil Smith-Rowe does go to Monaco and William has a great six months to a season, following season, he never plays. You know, what are people going to say then? They'll soon change their tune. And I, I just think that there is, um, there's more ways to roam, as they say. And it's a big old world out there. And so, yes, it's brilliant that Aubameyang turned up in the FA Cup final and obviously it was important in the charity shield. But when you start to become too dependent on one player, that's not a good sign, is it? And um, I just think that we could... We, as just, going back to my earlier point, I just think we've missed a trick this transfer window. We could have dealt with it a little bit better. I Just taking our time and just... I mean, you don't have to plan... You don't have to bring every youth player in. But the best four from the academy, give them a squad number. Make them see that they've got a pathway to the first team. Let them know that. This is what I mean about missing a trick. But um, to go back quickly on the Aubameyang... Um, I'm, I'm in the minority, but I wouldn't have given it. But obviously, you know, I get viewed as negative for that. But look at his age. Mm. You know, Arsenal going forward. Are we going to win a title with Aubameyang? I don't think so. You know, the wages as well. You know, we could look around and see what else is available. And um, I, I wouldn't have given it. But as I say, that's just my opinion. No, no, I mean, I've no head here, so it's been great to speak to you all. Uh, Alex, really <clears throat> enjoyed speaking to you for the first time. Hey, great, take care, mate. Yeah, oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you talking, I mean, in terms of your back, I mean, Alex, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you not think that is it too much money we're offering him? Do you think that's not could cause problems, or do you think it's the right thing we've done in bearing in mind how important he is to the team at the moment? Um, I think it just boils down to perhaps. Unless we offered that, he's not signing. And if that's the case, then we were right to keep him because he's the best player possibly in the league, definitely at Arsenal. Um, I, I've got no problem with it. And a lot's been made of his age. I haven't seen any decline in his speed or his uh, sharpness. So I've got no problem with it. People comparing it to Ozil, I think they're so different in terms of their character. I've never once seen, even off the field, any issues with the Young. If anything... I'd say he's probably the best character we have in the side. He's always joking. He's always with the youngsters. Um, of course, the decline could happen with anyone. And, and you know, you could sign uh, Lionel Messi when he was 27. He could break his legs. There's a risk with every sort of uh, massive financial deal like that. Personally, w- with the finances, you've just got to trust the club that, you know, they wouldn't have done it unless they, they could afford it. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I've got no problem with it, to be honest with you. Uh, we, we've got rid of Mkhitaryan's wage, which is yeah. 180 grand a week, and that we've given it to Aubameyang, and I don't think you could do any better than that. Yeah. I think, I, I, personally, having watched uh, the Premier League as long as I have now, I think that with with, uh, with William and Aubameyang, <clears throat> I, I don't think I don't see any issue. I think that there's if you look at the amount of um, Appearances Williams made over the last five or six years. He's never made anything less than 40, I think it was 47 appearances every season for the last five years. And he's as fit as a fiddle. And touch wood, he's the same as Bamiang, he's never had a, any time, uh, any lengthy injuries either. I think they're just uh, there's certain specimens of human beings that are just superhuman, you know. And Aubameyang, I think he's getting better. I think yeah. he's got better year on year. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. why would I mean? And let's just face it, we'd get no money for him if we were to try and sell him. And I don't think anyone's got the, the money to, to sort of buy him and give him the wage that he needs at the moment either. But if we were to sell him, we'd have to replace him, and it'd be far, far more expensive to replace a Bamiyang to buy with a with a transfer fee, then another bloody agent's fee, and then give that player the wages than it is to give a Bamiyang a new contract. <clears throat> and I think I think it's yeah. an ab- absolute no brainer. And if we'd have lost him, can you imagine how everyone would be feeling at the beginning of this season? Would you have anywhere near the amount of uh, optimism? I know I no. wouldn't have. You know, he, he is a talisman and I think he's eclipsed. Because in my opinion, in the Emirates era, uh, Alexis Sanchez was our best player. I thought it just got me off my seat and he was so exciting. And I know it ended acrimoniously, but put all that to one side. He was an incredible player, wasn't he, Alexis Sanchez? Yeah. An absolute game and He won us cups. I think Aubameyang's totally eclipsed him. And, uh, you know, he won us the, the cups pretty much single-handedly last year. And the, the commitment he shows. I mean, it, I mean, the tracking back, in the, he's one of our best defenders as well as attacker. <laughs> you know, the work rate he puts in is just second to none. And uh, I, I, you can't go against giving him this contract because... He absolutely deserves it. And um, his attitude off the pitch as well, like you said, Alex, is, is just second to none. And everyone loves him. Everyone mm. loves him. And you can see the videos he puts out on his Instagram and everything when he uh, you know, when he had the uh, charity shield in the safety belt and he said, I'm not dropping this one and all that. <laughs> and laughing. It's just a character that you would not want to lose. So I'm, I'm delighted with it. And I, I think in a similar way, he, we get to see him uh, enter the field as an Arsenal player, but I, I do think that Willian could be that kind of character as well. Not, you know, outwardly expressive and jokey and blah, 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 but I think uh, athlete-wise, I think we're going to see the same sort of thing with him. I don't think he's going to have any kind of regression uh, athletically over the next year or two at all. You know, I think he's going to be... Um, yeah, quite an astute by. Uh, but just one last point. I do apologise. I don't want to hog the, the microphone, but I haven't been on the podcast for ages, so you have to forgive me. But with regards to Willian's contract, doesn't it annoy you as much as it annoys me? When have you ever known anyone in the media or anywhere to actually count up everything, including all of the agents' fees, all the signing-on fees, all the potential bonuses if we win the Champions League and the Premier League? They've added the whole lot up and and divided it amongst the 36 months. So let's say that is what he earns a week. When has that ever been done before? They just try and make <laughs> us look stupid. His, his actual salary is widely reported as, as 120 grand a week. But according to everyone in the media, it's 200 grand, 200 and something grand a week because they've added everything, every possible outcome uh, of all these bone add, add-ons and... and, and delivered that as his weekly wage. That's because they know that we're going to win the Premier League and the Champions League in the three years. <laughs> well, Obviously. you know, I really hope we do because they'll shove it up their bums. But when, when, when has that ever been done with any other player? You know, it's just, yeah. honestly, it really winds me up. He's not on quarter of a million quid a week at all. He's on 120 grand a week, which I think for a player of his quality is just, I think it's quite cheap in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, you know, I, it's just just winds me up anyway. Sorry about that. No, no, no I mean, I, I, just on the, on the Aubameyang thing. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad he's staying at the club because I think he's massively important, isn't he? Yeah. Most important 
player, not only for what he brings to the team, not only his character, but also what the younger players are going to learn are learning from him as well. You know, Martin Elliott, for example, you know, he's learning a lot from Aubameyang since he's been at the club. So I think it's important. I, I do. I don't like the the, the, the contract, the, the amount of it, really. I can just well, see it. We, the, we don't know that. We, we, we don't know what his contract's going to be yet either, do we? No, again, we again for weeks and weeks, that would be, it's been reported at a quarter of a million. You know, 250 grand a week for three years. And then he's going to have all these bonuses and bonuses and bonuses. Is that being reported with all the potential add-ons and all that as yeah. well? well you know, we don't know, do we? And it's not our money at the end of the day. So I think we should all just be happy that he signed on and just let the club worry about all that sort of stuff. But we, it's, we it's, have got Mkhitaryan's wage off. Yeah, no, we have. I mean, it's, it's just more. It's just what worries me a little bit is the way that the fans have turned on Urzu and his wage gets mentioned every single time he either doesn't play well. Is that going to that later on down the line if a family misses a penalty or if maybe he has a couple of poor games? Is it going to be well? Why are we paying him all that money? And I just don't want that to be an issue. And I, I just worry it might be coming. It's, it's chalk and cheese, though. It's chalk and cheese with a Bamiang and Urzel. Bamiang, Urzel. No, it, I mean, Totally different characters, totally different performances on the pitch, aren't they? What our fans can be like, that's the only thing, you know, that if he has a couple of poor... Let's face it, he had some poor games last season, didn't he? Not, you know, everybody does. And he, he had a few poor games like everybody else. Um, and unfortunately, that could lead to going forward in the future with this big contract. That could end up, you know, leading to a few issues maybe along those lines. I'm hoping it won't. And I'm hoping that our fans can see beyond that. And they know what an important player he is and an important person he is at the club and let's hope that that can be the case but a goal drought for him is two games without scoring as when has he ever gone you know any length of time without scoring a goal i mean i think four games he's ever been yeah i think that's the most ever isn't it and you know i don't you just cannot compare him and ozil you know I, i you just can't and i would never come to that i genuinely it'll never come to that because he will always always score goals yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that's the case, but it just—I say—it just—it just concerns me slightly that that could end up getting if, if he has a series of poor games, which well, hopefully. This is the po- this is the positive Arsenal podcast. You've actually named it yourself, so let's just let's just rejoice in the fact that we're keeping him. Uh, and forget forget about the negative aspects and what might happen. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. You're right, and I, it's just, I don't want to worry about that. But we, we, hopefully, that's the case. He has signed, and that's obviously that is good news because he's so important. Um, yeah. Just moving on now. I mean, I just wanted to really touch on what our expectations are for the season. I mean, I know. We don't know exactly how the transfer window is going to finish yet because there's still a few weeks left. But at this moment in time, with the players that we've got, let's let's assume we don't buy anybody else um, for the sake of it for now. What would your expectations be for the season, Alex? How do you think we would get on this season? What what what, would, what do you think will be a successful season with as things are at this moment now? Um, a successful season is a top four finish or Europa League win. Um, but if I'm being realistic right now, without any further signings, I'd say we'd finish fifth behind Liverpool, City, Chelsea and United. Um, but, I mean, Arteta, I think, is a better manager than um, than Oli and Lampard. And that could be the difference, as well as us being able to rest players in Europa League while they can't do that in the Champions League. So we could be a little bit more fresh than them. Um but at the moment, I think we'll finish either fourth or fifth. I can't see us finishing any higher than that, um, or lower than that, really. I think I think we'll finish fifth, if I'm honest. 
Well, what about if, if we do get in a couple more players, such as Thomas Partey, for example? Do you think that might make a big difference? I, I think it will, because you can't play Shaka Sabayas every game. And if you take one of them out, Iskenduzi or Joel Willock, depending on formation, I think Ozil's going to play a bit more. But I just think if we lose Shaka or Sabayas, we're in big trouble. And, and our midfield isn't the best anyway. Um, but if we got party and I think he'll be top four then. I think he'll uh, almost be nailed on. I, I think Arteta's a much better manager than Ole and Lampard. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Definitely agree with that without a shadow of a doubt. He's a, he's a much better coach. He's much better with a player. Yeah. Well. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. What about you, Andrew? What do you, what's your sort of expectations for the season? I know you're quite optimistic, aren't you? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally echo what Alex just said. And uh, I... I think that you cannot underestimate what difference it will make having uh, Arteta as a coach because I think he's right up there uh, as far as the, the coaching goes. I, I, I just can't see us finishing outside the top four. I genuinely can't. I, I think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer... With a current now, without no more signings, as, as yeah, standard. no, I, I think we'll get if we would if we, if we the season started as and, and we could not sign anymore. I think we'll get we'll get fourth. I do, I really, really do. I think that Man City will win the league this year. I think that Liverpool are good. Uh, people forget well the Liverpool. I'm not. It's not a Liverpool podcast. I don't give a shit about Liverpool. But before <laughs> the before the shutdown, uh, since the new year. They was they were on the, on the decline from January onwards, and uh, before the shutdown, they'd lost four out the, the last six games as well. And the, the way that they ended the league, it's not been good, is it? I don't think they're going to be as good this season. Don't get me wrong; I know that they're going to be right up there, but there's a bit of a decline there, and it's been completely glossed over by everyone in the media that that they're actually not playing very well at the moment. Um, but I think that. Arteta is a by, by far, far, far and away a better coach than Lampard and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think that we are going to be a lot, lot more consistent um, this year. I don't think we're going to draw as many games. I think that the, the 13 games we drew last year, and if we, if we only turn five of those draws into wins this, this season round, you know, the, the points difference you'll get. And if if we if we'd have done that, you know, it just drives me mad that we we didn't have Arteta for the whole season, didn't it? If you look back, but if we could, uh, <laughs> hey ho. But if since January the first, as I've said this uh, loads of times, I do apologise. His philosophies, um, and we've seen what the difference it's made. So I, I I'm so confident that we will do really well. I think that if it will be, if we did get Partey, and God forbid, if we did get. Um, our as as well, then I think we could be challenging for second or third. <laughs> uh, genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, I don't think we will. I think we might get one of them. I think we might get one of those players, and that that could make any difference between third and fourth. But I, I, I still can't think we'll get fourth. And and I'm very confident we'll have a good run in the Europa League this year as well. I really, really do. Um, <clears throat> I think we could potentially win that uh, with favourites with the bookies. Yeah, and. Definitely. And I, I think we, I think that's for a reason. I think, I think we possibly could. I'm not going to say anything about the domestic cups and 
that one of those I'll be quite happy with fourth and the Europa League I'm not going to be too greedy but who knows um, I think the, but the thing is you know Arteta goes into every single game every single competition he will want to win it you know he's got that mentality isn't he and uh, if you aim for first but come fourth uh, you know that he will still be disappointed because he's uh, you know that's the mentality he's got but he will always go into it to win so um yeah, I'm going fourth and win the Europa League and I can't get odds on it at the moment because they're not going to give you the odds until the Europa League qualifying has finished. And, you know, with locomotives, Plovdiv, you know, you never know how far they're going to go after they've knocked out Spurs. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm going to put a bet on. I'm going to put a bet on fourth and the Europa League champions. That's what well, I, I mean, think. That, that, would, that, would be, that would be fantastic. I mean, I, I, I still think that the... the the transfer window that's left is quite and still important. I do think we, I, I agree, we need a couple more players in midfield, particularly. And if we yeah. can get those in, then I, I believe we can actually really challenge. I, I think the league title this year isn't going to be 98 points again or anything like that. I no, think it's going to no. be a lot closer. I, I, I can see, I can't see anyone getting maybe more than 85, 86, that sort of region for the champions, I think, this year. I think mm. it's going to be a lot tighter. And who's to say if we, if we don't, if we don't strengthen that, if we can strengthen our midfield, I don't see any reason why we can't be up there around about that that mark, eighty odd points. I don't see why we can't do that. And I mean, it might seem optimistic, and people might think, "Oh, well, you know, we've got no chance of changing for the league." But what you got to remember is, I think Liverpool. I agree with you. Are in a slight decline from where they've been. Even Man City showed, didn't they? Even with the, the squad that they've got with with Pep and everything like that, they had two great seasons in terms of consistently points in the league. Then they struggled for the, the next season to get there again. Liverpool have had two seasons. I think they're going to struggle to get them sort of numbers again. And, and I think it's going to be a lot more con- congested, really, between maybe the top six, actually. They're going to be a lot closer together. So we could potentially finish anywhere between first and sixth, probably, with, you know, with somewhere like between sort of 78 and 85 points, you know. And, and well, uh, within, within don't, our, forget, don't forget Leicester. You know, never, that's that famous old saying, don't forget what Leicester did. Yeah, but, exactly. you, know, you know, two years ago, two years ago, Liverpool were 20, what, 24 points behind the champions Man City. Yeah. And they clawed that back the season after and finished with 97 points, you know, one point behind City. Mm. You know, they, they clawed back 20-odd points in that first season. Now, we've got a lot more to claw back from the, the Champions last year. But <coughs> I would I would not be surprised. And I said this to you, Richard, on another podcast, didn't I? Yeah. I said I wouldn't be surprised if we are within around sort of 15 points from the eventual Champions next year. You know, I think we could. I, I, I honestly think we're going to be that difficult to beat. The only problem we've got is smashing up the lower lower teams. If we can work, if Arteta can work out a, a system whereby we can beat the teams that we should be beating week in week out at the lower end of the, of the Premier League, then he's already shown against the top four. We've never had a better record than last season against the top four. I, I don't think I, I can't remember the last season we beat them all yeah no I agree. you know uh, in the last so i, I think we've been doing so much better against them if we can start learning how to dispatch the you know the the lower part of the, the premier league then what have we what what have we got to worry about you know uh, and, and, and if we do bring in another player or two in midfield then i'm even more confident you know the than i am now no no exactly. I, I completely agree um i actually feel as though we, we could be dark horses in a way 
for the league because I, I don't mm. think anybody particularly thinks we can even finish in the top four. Most people think the top no. four be Liverpool, Man City, Man United, and Chelsea, and that's pretty much set in stone. Whoever you speak to is pretty much saying that we're not even considered to be a top four team. Probably. No. We finished last year, which you can understand to a degree. But, you know, I, I can see massive improvements over a short period of time with Arteta. We have improved the squad, as you said. If we can improve it a little bit more between now and October, then I don't see any reason why we won't be in the mix. I'm not sure we can. We've quite got the strength to hold off Man City and Liverpool over 38 games. Realistically, <laughs> we probably haven't. But I don't see any reason why we can't finish third. Um, certainly don't see any reason why we can't. And I say, if we do strengthen in the midfield, then... We, we could potentially it could go even higher, maybe. But yeah, I think- no, I, I believe you, I, and I agree. I totally agree. You know, if we can man- match them when we play them and not lose, yeah. uh, we don't even have to worry about the other playing against Liverpool, or Man City. We could all, we could quite easily afford to lose to, against them. But, but as long as that, as long as we're more consistent against the other teams, that's what we've got. To, that's what we've got to do. We dropped too many points and and drew too many games, and that I, I genuinely don't think it's going to happen anymore. We don't. We're not going to get thrashed by Liverpool no. away, and the, the, and that's the other good thing on our side. We've got all these all these big teams away when there's no crowds in the in the stadium still. And we're playing them early on, aren't we? And they won't all be maybe up to full speed either because it's very early on. The, the lack of pre-season. I mean, Man City aren't even playing, are they, the first weekend because of their no. running year Man United as well. So, you know, playing yeah. them early on could be quite a good thing for us. I agree that we could pick up some extra points there that we may not have done had we yeah. played them at another time. So let, let's wait and see what happens. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic. It seems like all three of us are pretty optimistic about the top four anyway. Which is- We've got the coaches yeah. that come in as well. And we we yeah. conceded, what, 16 goals, I think, to against... Um, teams for, from set pieces, didn't we, yeah. last year? And who knows? I mean, the difference between bringing in those coaches could make the difference of... I mean, even if even if they make a difference of not conceding, say, three or four goals, and also because they're going to be coaching us on taking set pieces as well, maybe we could score another three or four goals. That could be the difference between finishing second or third. Yeah. You know, it could be the difference between... Exactly, yeah, and and that, and the difference in in prize money and all that, what that could actually lead to, it's a stroke of genius if these coaches can actually take, you know, uh, just make that swing, just make that swing a little bit, you know, from from conceding so many goals and, and scoring a few more, you know, uh, little things like that could could be the difference. Um, so yeah, I'm, it's very very good, looking good. I'm very excited, like I said, yeah. uh, more excited for a start of the season and I have been for probably a, a couple of decades really because yeah, um, completely. I'm, I'm completely on that on that thinking, way of thinking as well actually so um, it's good at the moment and so that's what I like about the start of the season because you can you can be optimistic and no one can laugh because we level on points with everybody nobody's ahead <laughs> and hopefully after Saturday we'll still be at least ahead of everybody I mean just going on to sort of the opening day fixtures I mean I know there's a few games that aren't being played because of the two Manchester clubs not playing. Just maybe, how do we think that the opening sort of games will go? I mean, if we start with Liverpool against Leeds, Alex, what do you think yeah. that would happen? <laughs> I was going to say, that's the that's the best game of the lot, I think. Definitely. Uh, I think we know more than most other Premier League sites how good Leeds are. You know, that yeah. first 45 minutes in the FA Cup was probably the hardest half and, well, 45 minutes we had all season. It was that, it was embarrassing, actually. 
Uh, I think they could be uh, the surprise package of the season. They may get, you know, seventh or eighth, depending on how good their signings gel. Mm. Um, I think they could uh, they could catch Liverpool cold, you know. I think, I, I think so, I'm going to go for a draw there. I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I, I, I think they're going to beat Liverpool. Mm. Really really me. I think they're going to beat Liverpool, yeah. Wow, that'd be good. I honestly do. I, I, mm. I would... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like two one. Maybe I, I, people are going to really underestimate Leeds, and like you said, Alex, I wasn't I wasn't embarrassed at all by that first forty five minutes because I you know I'd, I'd actually been watching a few uh, Leeds games because I've just been swept up in the media hype over the last twelve to eighteen months after Bielsa came in. I've actually watched a few of their games, and they're they're a brilliant team. You know they're. A, they're going to be this season's Sheffield United, but I, I've got no doubt about that. You know, and, uh, the way I, I saw that first half against Leeds when we played them in the cup, I sort of um, said, "Imagine if you're standing outside in an, in a hailstorm, and the and the wind is blowing the hail right into your face because it's blowing in horizontally." I said, "That's how much. <laughs> that's how our defenders must have felt that day. With the, you know, yeah. the swarm after swarm after swarm of attack. You know, they were, mm-hmm. they were fantastic, and they should have put us to bed. You know, the first half. That's what, a brilliant result in the end. The way that Arteta turned it round. And I'd wonder what he said at half time. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall there. But um, no, I can honestly see them beating Liverpool, and I would, I would say they, they'll win two one. And I think it's going to be a great game. Really good game." That's a that's a bold prediction. I mean, I, I kind of uh, I, I agree with Alex. I think it'll be a draw. I maybe think two two. I just think there could be goals in it. I, I think Liverpool, like you said, they could be caught cold a little bit because mm. I don't think they're they're pressing sort of game the way that they play. They need a bit of rhythm, and because of pre season, I don't think they've maybe got that yet. We saw in the Community Shield that that they wasn't on their game, were they? I know we played well, but they wasn't quite at the level. So I think you know Leeds probably had a better pre season preparation, possibly. Um, and I think they can definitely be a draw. I think Leeds can get a draw there, definitely. I'd be surprised. Well, can, it's their first game back in the Premier League for 16 yeah, years. Can you, imagine how, can you imagine how, how much they're going to be up for that game away at the Champions? Yeah, can yeah. you imagine what they're going to be up for? I mean, they're going to be all over them like a, you know, flies around a pile of, cat, you know, dog poo, aren't they? <laughs> Putting it politely. They are going to be all over them, uh, and they're going to work their socks off. You can bet your bottom dollar. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly think they're just going to shock Liverpool. Really, I think Jonathan in the chat there agrees with everyone as well that they think that Liverpool might struggle in that game, and none of us have predicted Liverpool to win, which is which would be good, wasn't it? Because the more points mm-hmm. they drop on in the season, the better it is for everybody. So that'll be yeah. good. I mean. The next game I wanted to look at was West Ham against Newcastle. Obviously, Newcastle's takeover has obviously not happened now um, for this season. I mean, West Ham have had a few internal issues by the look of it as well. That could be an interesting game as well, I think. What, what do you think of that one, Alex? Mm. I think West Ham fans must be the most frustrated fan base in the league. I, just, I, I always look at West Ham and I, I don't really know what, what direction they want to head in. They, they, they're not a relegation battling side, you know, looking at the finances they spend and stuff. But they always seem to be hovering around there. And, you know, they don't really ever give us a game. We, you know, that's probably one of our most successful sides to play against. I, I think they said that statistically last season. Um, and Newcastle, quite similar, I suppose. But 
I think the business they've done with uh, Fraser and, and Callum Wilson, uh, they could turn out to be the the bargain buys of the summer. Um, I, th- I think Newcastle will nick it. I think I'll go two one Newcastle. Oh, another another away team. Mm. Yeah. What do you think of that one, Andrew? West Ham Newcastle. I. I, I... I've got a soft spot for Newcastle. I think probably going back to the Kevin Keegan era, you know, I think everyone sort of warmed to them a little bit around that time. And I feel so sorry for their fan base as well, you know, what they've been putting up with lately. Imagine, it's like, it's like them winning the lottery. And then a few months later, the lottery come back and say, sorry, we've, we've made a mess up. I need that money back. You know, after all this, all the talk of the takeover and everything, and then it's for it to fall through last minute. It must be, they must feel like. But I think that, the, like you said, the players have brought in uh, have been really good, and, and Jeff Hendrick is good. He's, he's actually an underrated midfielder, you know, yeah. for, yeah, for, for Burnley, and they got him on a free as well. So I think they're going to do all right, and. Um, you know, and be sort of mid-table again. But I think West Ham, I couldn't agree more with, with Alex. They, they're just, they're totally directionless. They're rudderless. They're, mm. I mean, look what their captain, who's been with the club for two decades, <laughs> tweeting out about them selling that youth player, who I can't remember his name, but, and all the players liking it. And, you know, and even Jack Wilshire sent him a direct message on Instagram as well, saying gutted you've gone and, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff. I mean, the whole team is just ridiculous, you know. They deserve to go down and they would be my tip to go down. And do you know what? It's going to get even worse for them because I still think that before the end of this window, they're going to lose Declan Rice to Chelsea because they are desperate for, for, for Declan Rice to be part of a back three. So I will. I, I I honestly think that even after everything they've spent, I still think that Chelsea are going to get Declan Rice. And you, can you imagine the uproar from their fans? <laughs> so I, I I genuinely think that West Ham could go down this year. I think their luck's going to run out. Um, they're in a mess, absolute mess, and the club will never forgive them for moving grounds, leaving Upton Park. You know, I feel a little bit like that about leaving Highbury. To be perfectly honest, so. I, yeah. They they feel the same, and I, I can't see anything good for West Ham. They, they they buy all these players, and they just cannot ever get them to to gel together. They've got no direction, no cohesive way of playing. They don't know what they're doing with their managers, and yeah, I can only see them going down. All the fans want the the, the board out as well, don't they? It just doesn't end, does it? There's so many problems there. It makes us look like we're skipping through poppy fields, you know, in, you know, with all our problems. So, yeah, I, I can't see them doing anything this season. I, I will think, <sighs> saying that, uh, first game of the season, I probably think it would just be a boring one-all draw or something with Newcastle. But I think Newcastle will be all right this year, actually. But um, I th- I'll go for a one-all draw. I mean, Jonathan, there's agreeing with you saying that West Ham in a mess. I mean, I heard the other day that apparently there's been training ground bust-ups and all sorts going on there. So yeah. uh, I, I do think they've got a lot of issues that David Moyes is going to have to sort out or they are going to struggle. And uh, they may be playing Newcastle at a bad time. They've just had a good uh, couple of signings come in. Mm-hmm. I don't know how fit they are ready to play or not. Both of them. I think if they both play against West Ham, I think Newcastle will probably win. And I actually agree that Newcastle... I hope Newcastle win, win. yeah. I think they'll have a decent season because their problem last year was scoring goals, wasn't it, more than anything? And now they've got two players who linked well 
together at Bournemouth. Um, Callum Wilson can score goals, and, and Ryan Fraser, you know, he, he's a decent winger, isn't he? Can supply stuff. They've mm. got that maximum set maximum as well. He's a good player. So, um, well, they I, can they know. can use that Joel Linton in the right in the right uh, role now as well. He's yeah, never they, so. Yeah. He could link up quite well with uh, Callum Wilson, so yeah, they could have a decent. Could they, yeah. What's that player that um, they got rid of that they had on loan? Uh, the uh, the South Af- South American player a couple of seasons ago, Newcastle. Uh, do you know what I mean? Good with his head, really tall. Oh um, yeah, Rondon. Yes, it Rondon. I think that he could play, you know, this Joel Linton could actually play the Rondon role now sort of, as, as the hold-up player, battering ram, and to allow Callum Wilson to play off and yeah, score well, a few yeah. goals. So yeah. I think they could actually have a decent season, yeah. Yeah, I do as well. I don't think they'll be far off the top the top eight, actually, Newcastle, if, if they keep their players fit and stuff like that. I mean, I, I think they'll beat West Ham. West Ham generally don't start particularly well. They lost 5-0, didn't they, on the opening day last year. I know they played Man mm. City, but... Losing 5-0 at home on the first game is not great, is it? So, I think Newcastle yeah. will win maybe 2-0 or something like that, 2-1. I hope so. I hope so, yeah. yeah. I, I hate West Ham. West Ham are fucking... <laughs> I mean, I don't like West Ham. I grew up around there, so I've, I've got a bit of... To be honest, I don't mind the club, but the way that they're being run and everything that's going on there, I, I, I just feel sorry for the fans and... I, I just for the for the board's sake, the way they've, what they've done to that club, they deserve to go down, and I just I hate them for that. So, yeah, I, I just like I'm a football fan at the end of the day, and I do have I do have sympathy with some clubs on occasions as well. But the way that that, that Gold Sullivan Brady, as well, what they've done to that club and those fans, I just think they deserve everything they get, and I really hope they go down. So I do hope Newcastle win. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for the West Ham fans, actually. It's not really their fault, is it? They're, they're no, 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 no. Getting badly run, as I mean, Jonathan's pointed out there as well, you know, exactly the same there. Um, and it's a shame for the fans, really. But, you know, I, I do think they've got a tough season ahead, actually. And I, mm. I think they maybe will just about stay up, possibly. But, yeah, I think they've got a tough season. I think Newcastle will beat them on Saturday. Um, I don't think it's going to be a great game, is it? But I think Newcastle might nick it over 2-1. Mm. Um, Next game I want to look at is um, could be an interesting one actually. Um, Spurs against Everton. Everton, of course, spent big, haven't they? Brought in a lot, of, a lot of players this transfer window. Some good players as well, actually. A couple of players that I wouldn't mind us getting, but um, and obviously Tottenham, who are Tottenham. So, what, what do we expect from that, Alex? What are your kind of uh, thoughts on that game? Um, that's that's another contender for the game of the weekend, isn't it? With especially with what Everton have done uh, yeah. business wise. Um, I've got to be honest, I think Spurs will be better this season. Uh, Jose just has that sort of winning habit, doesn't he? Even though the football is rubbish, he, he is going to make them a, a harder team to beat. Um, I think Spurs' this season, as most have pointed out, is going to depend on Harry Kane. And I think that's all they've sort of got at the moment. Son's probably their second best player. But I think without Harry Kane, they, they just fall to like a mid-table side. Um, but Everton, they just never seem to close the gap today, no matter how much money they spend. Uh, I think I'll go with Spurs win. I think they will pull that one off. I think 2-1 Spurs, that's where I'm going. But it'll be interesting to see how Everton get off this season. But they've got the manager to go along with the signings this time, so let's see how they get on. Yeah, no, they, they could do well. What, what do you think about that, Andrew? Tottenham against Everton. 6-0 Everton. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's my life in here. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think Everton might take a little bit of time to to get together, you know, to gel as a team. They've got a few new players coming in and they have got a good manager, Ancelotti, so I think they will do well, but I'm not sure they're going to start particularly well, just because I think that they're going to take a little bit of time to settle. So, um, I don't want to I don't want to predict a Tottenham win, obviously. Um, <laughs> I don't think Everton are quite ready yet to, to maybe face a game. It's going to be a tough game. I, I, I'm going to say a draw, just because I'd rather it be a draw than Tottenham win. So, Tottenham I think they will be two I think 2-2, but I, I, I like 6-0 to Everton. Sounds a good result, actually. Uh, I don't want to say Tottenham are just Toilet. Top of the league. I'd rather we went top of the league, so maybe just maybe <laughs> win like two nil or three nil or something instead. They're, they're, uh, God, Jose Mourinho is a is a busted flush of a manager. I don't care what anyone says. He's they're not going to win anything under him because they're Spurs. And he, you know, do you know what? It's, it's that that bad that even Spurs are dragging Jose Mourinho down. Let alone the other way round. So. Um, they're going nowhere this season, and uh, yeah, I'll just be laughing as they, you know, fall and smash the red on the gutter. Vincent, I agree with you. He thinks Joe's going to have a better season than last year. No, uh, I don't. I think they're going to have a worse season than last year. They were lucky last year, if anything. So, um, yeah, they, they I, were. I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't even know what to make of Tottenham this, this season, to be honest. Because, like, like Alex said, Jose generally has got a record of making teams difficult to beat. Um, and Tottenham did lose a lot of and last couple of seasons. They've lost a lot of games, haven't they? Um, yeah, yeah. And he, and he will stop that. I think they they won't lose as many games. I think that's that's going to be obvious. But oh. I'm not sure that they're going to necessarily improve much on where they finished sixth last year. I all Delhi think- Alley cares about is how people fucking brush their teeth. For God's sake. <laughs> I mean, really concentrate on your football, mate. You know, honestly, you know, how do you put your toothpaste on your toothbrush? <laughs> yeah, Fucking hell. Isn't it? But I've been enjoying it, I must admit, it's entertaining stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I'm going to predict a draw for that one. Maybe 2 2 again or something like that. I think there'll be goals in it. I hope Everton actually do quite well this year because they're a big club that maybe deserve. To do quite well, obviously. Mm. It's above Tottenham actually this year, which could be good as well. Um, the other game I really want to look at as well was, is, I think it's on Monday night, isn't it? Brighton against obviously Chelsea, who have basically bought every single player that's possible to buy by the look of it. Um, what do we think about that one, Alex? I'm assuming it's going to weigh win, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think Chelsea will push push Liverpool and City right to the end uh, this season. I don't think Frank Lampard can afford not to. I, I don't think it's going to be any sort of sentiment involved with uh, keeping it on for the sake of it. I think if he doesn't, if he isn't around the the top, say within five or six or seven points by the end of the season, I think he could be sacked. So I think he has to be in the title challenge. Uh, and I'll go for Chelsea win comfortable like three three or four one. Yeah, that that seemed to be a fair fair reflection. What, what do you think about that one, Andrew? Similar? Score draw, one all. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I don't I got no idea how the hell a manager like Lampard is gonna keep that squad of players happy and get them organised. And get them playing as a decent way of football. How on earth can he do that with all the players he's brought in? I mean, I, I, you can list off probably a dozen players who would get into any Premier League team that can play anywhere across that the front of their pitch and and in the number ten role as well. 
And how the hell is he going to keep them all happy? How's he going to get them all to gel? And how's he going to get them to play some kind of free-flowing football? And do you know what? Their their best player, in my opinion, their best defender, I know they brought in um, Thiago, who's 36 now. God knows how he's going to get on in the Premier League. He's going to get a reality check when he realises how quick that the league is at his age. But I think their best young defender, that is it Tamori? Um, yeah, Tamori, isn't it? They're sending him on loan. I mean, what is wrong with them? They're desperate for defenders. And they're just going to stick with um, the ones that they've got and bring in a 36-year-old. And they're going to let their best young defender go on loan. So, I don't. they can buy whoever they want. But they've still got Frank Lampard in charge. And I've got no... I, I just don't think he will last till probably Christmas. I think he will get sacked. And they're going to be in a massive problem because he's hit... Can you imagine the pressure is going to be put on him now after all these signings that they're bringing in? They're going to expect they're going to expect prime Barcelona, those you know, the, the owners, the the fans, and as soon as they, I bet you after the first game of the season, I don't think they'll win it. I bet you Brighton will hold them, and then if you go onto Twitter and search hashtag Lampard out, I bet you will be trending. <laughs> or uh, straight away. I'm not even joking. They, yeah, now right. the, the the thing is that the, the players themselves that they're bringing in are clearly top quality, and I think um, you know th- they will win games be- just because they are top quality, despite Frank Lampard being their manager on occasions. So they're not going to be horrendous because they've, they've clearly got amazing players up front. But one of my favourite players outside of Arsenal is Christian Pulisic. I, I love that player. <clears throat> is he going to get a game now, though? I don't I think, think. You know, their front line is going to be Pulisic, Werner, Ziyech, and Havertz, isn't it? I mean, that's that's as good as anything in the world. It, it is, yeah. And they will win games on their own, you know, because of the quality they've got. But at the end of the day, you, they've still got to be working to a plan that their coach sets them. And I don't think he's got the capabilities of doing that <clears throat> to, to work with players of that level. Even though he's got a great reputation himself as a footballer, it's, it's not, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great coach. And yeah. he didn't actually have a good season when he was with Derby either. It, it, it's glossed up that he had this really good season, but he didn't. They collapsed a lot at the end of that season. They could have. Had, they were still in running for a, a, a automatic promotion at one point, and they they should have got it potentially. But he did, and he didn't get through the playoffs. So I just cannot see him doing. Uh, no matter who they sign, I cannot see him doing really well with them, despite having one of the best squads in world football by, by the end of this transfer window. So yeah. I, I I don't hold out too much hope for them because. About, about, don't, I don't think, play football, but can they? Will they raise themselves for some of them? Exactly, it's it's going to take them time to gel, isn't it? Let's face it, because of everyone they've brought in, that all these players that got rave reviews last year, um, like Mason Mount, great player, uh, a great young player, but his role now has been taken over by Kai Havertz, who's going to take his position now. How is he? How's he going to feel? You know, the bright young hope of English football. Just suddenly gone, you know. And um, what's his name? The the striker, um, 
gold. Tammy Abraham. Yes, thank you. Oh, my brain, my brain tonight. Tammy <laughs> Abraham. Yeah, is he going to get a game anymore now? And he, he started the season last year, scoring you know game, goal after goal after goal, and he was the new the new uh, centre forward for England. If anything happened to Harry Kane, and everyone was talking about him, he's not going to play anymore. Yeah. How is he no, going to feel now? It's it's ridiculous. So there's going to be yeah. there's not going to be uh, harmony in that changing room. It's going to take him a while to settle, and I will quite. It sounds strange, and it sounds like I'm being stupid when I say I I think that Brighton might get a draw because it quite quite conceivably because of the players on their own they could go you know Chelsea could win six seven nil but I've got a feeling that Brighton might hold them to like a one all something because I just think that's the way it is at the, at the moment with Chelsea they're just, just because they brought all this world class talent in it doesn't mean they're going to turn into prime Barcelona straight away. And I do honestly think that, that Lampard probably will be lucky to get through till Christmas. I mean, obviously, I hope nothing but bad things on Chelsea generally anyway. So <laughs> if, if what you say is true, then I'll be, I won't have any complaints about that. I mean, you know, Jonathan makes a point there as well about the, um, you know, spending the money like when Abramovich first came. Yeah, I mean, that's that seems to be similar situation with Chelsea, doesn't it? I mean, that's what they've always done. But, they don't but Ranieri, about- they had Ranieri then, and Ranieri, no matter what you think of him, is a very experienced, good manager. Yeah. Lampard ain't. No, 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 I, I agree. I mean, I, I think Lampard isn't a great coach at all, certainly defensively. That's where Chelsea's problems are going to be. I mean, mm. I think they're lucky in the sense that they're playing Brighton first game. I think Brighton are going to struggle this season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up getting relegated, actually. I think their their time in the Premier League might be... I like Graham Potter. I think he's done a good job I think, there. Yeah, I, I think they're going to improve no, this year, actually, Brighton. At home, they're always a difficult team to play because of the fans and stuff. I think about the fans, this first game as well, I, I actually think Chelsea will win. I don't want them to. I just feel that they probably will just because I just think they'll have too much quality for Brighton. And Brighton was struggling at the end of last season, wasn't they? Once they got safe, they dropped off quite a lot, didn't they, with their results? And I, I can't see them doing much. So I think Chelsea will probably win 2-0. Um, but I'm hoping that that's not going to necessarily be the story of the season because I do think they are um, defensively. Yeah, you know, a lot of goals like they did last year. You can I, think see I think Brighton, though, I think they're going to slightly improve from last year. Bit by bit, not, I'm not saying like a massive jump up the league, but I do really think that Potter's got got what it takes to be actually a, a good Premier League manager. And they, they, <clears> again, I, I can't even remember the name of the player, but they've got a really, they've done really well in the market because they've signed up Ben White for another contract, four years, uh, turning down up to like thirty million pound bids for him. He's a brilliant defender, brilliant young defender. I was really, really hoping Arsenal might make a move for him, but they've tied him down. And they've got this uh, young defender from Ajax for 950 grand. I mean, (laughs) you know, it sounds like a 90s uh, transfer fee, doesn't it? Like for one of the top players, but (laughs) under a million quid. And the reason they got him so cheap was um, he he had a bad uh, ACL. Uh, injury, and for some reason, somehow, they've they've nicked him for like under a million quid. And I've read I've read up on him, and I, this is only I've, I'm not saying I've seen him play or loads and loads, but he's come through the IX Academy. He was playing in the Champions League from last year, and uh, making his way back from this injury. And I've read article on him on the Athletic. 
he could be the signing of the season by the sounds of it. He's a really good quality player, can bring the ball out from uh, defence as well. Good ball playing defender, great in the air. And they got him for less than a million. So, you know, they've already got a good defence, uh, Brighton, with Lewis Dunk there and, and so on. So I, I think they'll do better than you think, you know. I'm not saying they're going to expect them to jump up to, like, you know, a top 10. But I think they're going to do incremental improvements year on year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they can shut out Chelsea the first game. But I, like I, say, I could be could be completely wrong. But I've, got, I've just got a good feeling they might hold Chelsea to, you know, to a one-all or something. Oh, I hope you're right, because that, be, that would be great. I just feel as though they'll just have too much quality for Brighton, unfortunately. And... I think they will win. Um, I think Jonathan's in the chat just sort of basically saying the same as well because um, it's going to be a nice sunny day. They're, they're fancy players or fancy the game, which is fair <laughs> enough. And um, uh, uh, Winston, just before that, had mentioned about them. Oh, yeah. That's another, so, another stupid decision. But then we did the same with William Saliba, didn't we, last year, I suppose. Yeah, I know, but no, they are even worse. I mean, they let in 56 goals last season and we thought we were bad. You know, and they... Seriously, they, they they need defenders. I mean, I don't know what whether they felt he wasn't going to get game time, but like you said, they're sending out Tamori on loan. Tamori's as well. a Tamori's a good looks like a real good prospect, honestly. And sure I cannot can. believe they're set, they're sending him out on loan as well. But well, yeah, I mean, just just before we um, sort of move away from the other the other teams, really. I mean, we sort of touched on it before. What are your predictions for the top four, and who do you think will be relegated? Alex, what do you, what do you, what's your top four? I know <clears> you sort of pretty much before. Um, I think with Arsenal, I think we're going to sign another midfielder. So I do think we'll come fourth. I think it's going to be. I know what you're saying about Liverpool and how they ended the season badly, but I just think they were in they were in cruise control and they were so far ahead. It, it would easily it would have been more surprising if they just kept that going. Really, I think Liverpool are going to yeah. win the league. I think a number of managers have figured Guardiola style out, and I think even when we played them, it, it even looked easy at times to to sort of hit them on the break like that. I think. The surprise could be that Chelsea finish above City. I think Chelsea second, City third, and I think Arsenal would be in fourth. And relegation, I agree. I think West Ham are going to go down. I think West Brom are going to go down. Um, I think Aston Villa are going to go down as well. I think they were really lucky last season. But we kept them up, didn't we, essentially? <laughs> Basically. And then beating Watford, so yeah, maybe that's true. Andrew, what do you think? What's, what's your top four and who's going to get relegated? I was just uh, searching because I tweeted that because you can do it on the BBC Sport website and I tweeted it out the other day. I did, I put all oh, my... Right. I've got yeah. my uh, prediction. Man City first, Liverpool second, Arsenal third, Man United fourth, Chelsea fifth, right. Leicester sixth, Tottenham seventh, Wolves eighth, Everton ninth, Southampton tenth. I think Southampton are doing going to do well this year. Yeah, 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 I think they'll do well. Yeah. And bottom, West Brom bottom, Fulham second bottom, Villa third bottom, Brighton fourth bottom, which slightly counteracts what I just said about Brighton, but I do think they're going to get better uh, year on year. But I have got West Ham finishing one, two, three, fifth from bottom, and also that's the other thing: Sheffield United sixth from bottom. Yeah, sixth from bottom. I think they're unfortunately going to have that second season syndrome where they're not going to do quite so well, unfortunately. But uh, 
I would be surprised if, they're, if uh, the manager gets uh, poached, shall we say, because we all know that some managers are going to get sacked early on in the season, and I, I wouldn't be surprised <coughs> if he's top of the list of a lot of clubs. Yeah, I think he will be, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for West me, I think, maybe. I think for me, I think the top four is um, going to be, I think Liverpool will win the league again just because I think Man City are in decline and I just don't think that Pep's, he's lost without his little mate that we've got now. So, I think Liverpool will win the league again and Man City will probably finish second. I think we can definitely finish third um, and I think Chelsea will finish fourth. I just think that with the signings that they've got, and I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a particularly good manager. So um, I think they're going to miss out on the top four this year. Um, I think relegation is going to be, I think Fulham will go down. I I feel a bit sorry for them coming up and down every year, but I think they'll probably go straight back down again. Um, I say I've got a feeling Brighton are going to struggle um, I think they've, they've been hanging on the last couple of years. I think this might be there, a bit like Bournemouth last year. I think this might be their time, unfortunately, because I quite like Brighton, but I think they might go down. And I think there could be a surprise maybe for the other one. I mean, people are saying West Ham. Yeah, I think West Ham have got trouble. I actually think Crystal Palace could struggle, you know, as well. They, they well don't... They, I think they've made a couple of good signings, actually. That Ebe Eze, who I... Um... Yeah, highlighted he, in one of my yeah, videos. He's gonna he's gonna do well, I think. Actually, he's gonna do really well. Yeah, and I think obviously West Brom will struggle as well. But I'd say maybe Fulham, Brighton, and I'll go West Brom just because they're another yo-yo one, aren't they? I think yeah. they might be in the free to get relegated. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if we get in the top four and have a good season, I'm not really bothered who gets relegated. If I'm honest, no, I couldn't <laughs> give a monkeys about the rest of them. To be perfectly honest, but. That'd be a top relegated, wouldn't we? That'd be quite nice. That'd be hilarious, absolutely. But Leeds are going to surprise a lot of people. Whether you can call whether you can call it a surprise now, because I think everyone knows about them. But I do genuinely think that they are going to be very, very hard to beat, and I'm not looking forward to playing them. No, I agree. I think Leeds. I think Leeds will do well. They certainly, um, like you said, they might do the Sheffield United, a Sheffield United type season, and finish in the top half of the table. Possibly. I, I, I just hope that he doesn't do what's called a, a Fulham or a Villa now and, and go over the top with his signings because yeah. it, they're playing so well and I just hope he doesn't disrupt it too much because I know they brought that Rodrigo in um, who again is a forward who doesn't score goals and he but that's what he likes isn't it he, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. you know he, does, he doesn't want like you know Eddie Nketiah who is a, a, a far superior finisher uh, than what they had but you know, yeah. I, I, he's a funny guy, but you can't argue with what he's the way he gets his teams playing. And I, you know, I, I really, really, really hope I'm right and that they beat Liverpool on the opening day because what a story that'll be. And can you imagine yeah. the the media outrage that Liverpool have been beaten on the opening day? And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, there'll be a meltdown on match of the day. Isn't yeah, it? there will. See, but um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, that's good. I mean, just before just before we kind of wrap up, really, I was just really want to know what, what you're all thinking about the fact that obviously with the latest news from the government yesterday, obviously the fans returning to the stadiums now looks as though it's almost certainly going to be delayed beyond October, um, possibly even beyond Christmas. I mean, what what do we think about that? I mean, obviously it's not it's not ideal. Really. I mean, Alex, what, what do you make of that situation? Um, well, I normally in normal recent years, I get to a game about once a month, perhaps these days. I'm not sure how, how often you two go. Um, obviously, you miss that match day atmosphere and things like that. But I got to be honest, the the 
noise, the generated noise and things like that on the TV, as well as every game being televised, I've not really noticed that much of a difference uh, in terms of the, the performances. Um, but it's, it's, it is massive disappointment, isn't it, that the, the fans can't be there, especially at the start of the season. Uh, but I, I think I agree with you. I think if there's even a small percentage of, the, of a chance that it could increase the risk of the virus, I, I think the government will will step in and delay the uh, October kind of restart of fans coming in. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's inevitable now that that's going to happen after what was announced yesterday. I mean, what would you think about that, Andrew? About the fans not probably not. For me, I, I, it's a no-brainer for me. Don't let any fans in until we can all go back in. It's just yeah. ridiculous to have a 25% capacity. It's just a joke. And the, the obvious thing to do is for every club in England, Wales, Scotland, around Europe, is to sell um, a season ticket for fans to watch all their games online. <clears throat> um, set it at what? I don't know. It, I wouldn't even mind... Because obviously, let's face it, we we all know it's accessible for free on the internet. Obviously, I don't do it, clearly. But, um, <laughs> you know, would every fan mind paying a fiver per match, maybe even a tenner per match, to watch it in high definition, with in, you know, at home, uh, and you know that the money that you're spending on that is going directly to your club? Exactly. Yeah. Because That's we all know, yeah. we're not stupid. We're all sitting here crying out for the club to go and buy Partey and our another 100 million quid before the end of the season. Where, where do we fully expect this all this money to come from? The clubs are... I'm worried sick about all the EFL clubs, the amount of them that could go out of business. They're starting their season tomorrow. Uh, sorry, Saturday. And they've got no crowd coming in and... <laughs> All the League One, League Two clubs, which are the bread and butter of the football in this country, who have been around for 100 years, are just not going to be able to survive. Because they make their money from people walking through the gates, buying their programmes, buying a hot dog and buying a, a drink. You know, uh, and, that, and they're not going to have any of it. These are these are the clubs that would benefit massively from having a TV stream. Exactly. They charge their fans to watch them on the telly. Mm. That they're exactly. That benefit from that. It would almost replace certain amount of their match day revenue, wouldn't it? it wouldn't Which be is what I mean. They probably make, they, they, in some circumstances, they could make even more than they normally do because yeah, maybe. every every club in League One, League Two, that they've got fans across the world. Yeah, not to the, the same limits as the Premier League clubs, but they have. Expats yeah. live all over the place and they never go to these games because they can't because they live abroad. Can you imagine, if they had the opportunity of watching every single um, Forest Green Rovers match, you know, after Hector Bellerin brought into them, uh, yeah. now, which is which is a great story, by the way. But yeah. can you imagine if they had the opportunity of watching every single one of their matches, you know, you know, in full HD, perfect stream from anywhere in the world, and they would, of course, they would pay a five or a tenner to watch it. So why yeah, don't they do that? And it, it keeps the clubs ticking over, you know, and they could sell at the <clears> same time. Whilst they're watching, you know, um, a late in Orient, you're streaming a late in Orient match, and on the same page, you've got you've got all the drop down boxes where you can buy the kit, you can do all this, you can, you can actually add, you know, buy some merch whilst you're doing it at the same time as well. 
Why hasn't why the hell hasn't that not even been properly discussed as an option to keep these clubs in business? Because the TV companies are too worried about losing their own. Fuck them! You know it's 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 got to go now, isn't it? It's got to go. You know we've got to do things different way in the twenty. It's twenty twenty. We've got all this technology available to us. We don't need Sky and BT anymore. You know because if each individual club can support you know say for example Arsenal could do it as a season ticket that you could do it online and uh, the money goes directly to Arsenal uh, you know, there could also be a, a little way where perhaps even just a slight percentage of the of the fee say you know even five percent or something goes into a pot to help the all the all the other clubs in the lower leagues as well to keep you know uh, just in case anything god forbid happens again in the future as well Something along those lines. That, that's an easy thing to, to sort out. But for God's sake, why can't we just do that? And I don't want to have 25% of a capacity in this ground the size of the Emirates. It's just pointless. Either we all go or we don't. You know, and uh, the fact that we've, we should be grateful that we all the games are being streamed in September is absolute nonsense. You know, it should, of course they should be. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. think any any fan worth their salt would... would would bulk at paying a fiver or a tenner to watch the team and knowing that, that you're going to help keep the club going. You know, yeah, it, it's just I, I, obvious. Totally agree. I mean, I, I, I do miss going to the games, I've got to be honest. You know, the whole atmosphere of it all. And it's a shame that looks like that's going to be... Well, I agree with you. I can't see the point of putting 25% capacity in a ground for a Premier League game. I mean, you saw that friendly that Brighton did funny enough against Chelsea, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago? And mm. it's... It's just, it's just mad. We're looking at it, really. And it's like, I agree with you, either all or nothing should be the way. And if we can't get them all in, let's keep it as it is. But let's stream the games on, on the club websites. Like, every single game in the Football League as well is, is filmed every single game because it has to be for the league rules. So they've got the footage there. They're showing that they're filming the game live. Just show it. You don't need commentary. You don't need co-commentary, all that nonsense. Just show the game, stream it on a club website, charge fans for it to watch. Like you said, they'd all pay. The club get the money. Everybody can watch the games and it's happy days. And I don't see why we can't do that other than the fact that the TV companies don't like it, do they? That's that's the reason. Well, it would stop piracy there and then. Of course it would. At the end of the day... If you're going to give money to your own club and you know your own club's getting the money, then you know you're going to be quite happy to pay it, aren't you? Because you're getting full full coverage of your club exactly every, every single game. And you know, yeah, the danger is that when they open the stadiums up again, people think actually I quite like seeing at home in the wall watching the game for a five or a tenner, <laughs> and then people might not want to go back to the stadiums and well, pay. I, 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 people, people probably. I mean, I, I probably get to, Alex mentioned uh, about how often he goes nowadays, Alex. I, I've been supporting Arsenal all for, like I said, since 1980. I've had, uh, throughout like um, the 90s, I was a season ticket holder at Highbury, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for reasons I ain't going to go into now, I, I, you know, I lived out the country for a, a few years. I, I gave up my season ticket. When I came back, um, my life had changed completely. Yeah. And I, I, didn't, I don't live in London <clears> anymore <throat> and I live in the Midlands. And now I've got three, three kids. I'm not, you know, I'm not financially well off. At all. And I, um, to take my kids to an Arsenal match now, I don't get any change out of 400 quid. You know, and I can't physically afford, I'd love to go to every single game because I am a mass, you know, Arsenal are in my blood, you know. 
And that's just why it annoys me when people go on and on about the international fans, you know, in America and Australia. Oh, they, they don't matter. You don't, you don't understand what it's like. You don't go every week. Mm. I, does, that, does, does that make? Does that mean me as well? Then, because yeah. I don't go. I'm not able to go every week. Yeah. I mean, just take you. No one takes into people into account people's situations. But I would happily pay for a season ticket to uh, you know online. And of course, all the fans would. And I think they'd make more money overall than <laughs> yeah, they do it, from Sky because it opens I, it up to, across the world. I don't know why that isn't a thing yet. You, you, like you said, I mean, from a financial point of view, it would blow the Sky money out of the water, I think. Of course even, it would. Even if you charge like £300 for, for the full season ticket for every game, I think for Sky, Amazon, and BT, it's over a thousand pound a year for you know, and that's not for every game that you want to watch. Exactly. I ve- I very rarely watch any other games other than Arsenal. So, exactly. you know, to have a full Sky TV package is is a pointless to me. I don't watch much other sports, so I don't know why they don't do it. They haven't done it even before all this uh, virus, you know, complications. Yeah. Yeah. I think this this will be a perfect opportunity for them to discuss with uh, Sky and things like that, who could possibly partner into it, you know, offer individual um, club channels which uh, show these events. And they could have, like you said, like a little mm. percentage of that goes to Sky or wherever. Well, an you even know. better thing, don't leave Sky, BT, Amazon, leave them out of it. And Premier League has a Netflix type type uh, um, app themselves, yeah. and what the what you could do then uh, to support all of football in this country, you could um, you could just offer a, a, one of your su- subscribers purely the uh, season ticket for your team, no mm. matter what you know yeah. um, league you're in. But you could also go up in packages and say, right, I want a pl- I want a Premier League season ticket. So I could watch any of the matches at any time and then you pay that amount. And then if you want one that covers all four professional divisions, you pay that amount Mm. and it would work across the board, you know, and if, if you're a Leighton Orient fan, you could just have one for Leighton Orient or you could have one for the whole division. In fact, it would probably be better in those, in that situation that you could have, you just have one for the whole division because it supports all the clubs as far as that's concerned then as well. So, they would. The I mean, those is, leagues. Those it, leagues only get one million a season. I think it's one million <clears throat> pound a season for the whole clubs to share. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. <clears throat> they would smash that. They would smash it. Yeah, they would. Yeah, yeah. It makes. I mean, as Jonathan said, they're, they're doing it in Scotland, so it makes too much sense. So we, it won't happen. That's about the only thing I think we should copy Scotland on. Actually, well, so I think we should start a. We should start a petition. Get hundred thousand. I think you get that overnight. Signatures mm. on something yeah. like that, and and then and then they'd have to debate it in the House of Commons. So you know, you need to you need to shout loud in this yeah. to get yeah. to get your voice heard. And it, it never makes more sense than than ever now to just to wipe the slate clean, start again, and save football in this country. Not just we can't just think about Arsenal because you know we mm. across yeah. the years, how many players have we bought from the little clubs? Um, you know, down the leagues, you know. It just makes so much sense that it just needs saving. Holding. We got Rob Holding from Bolton, didn't we? And Bolton are one of the teams that's in massive trouble, aren't they? So it just exactly. goes to show, that's, that just proves we, the point, really, how yeah. important those technically smaller clubs are. Yeah, uh, exactly. Are 
to, to everybody. They, they, they support everybody, don't they? they? They give us players and we buy players from them and stuff like that. And it's so important. And obviously, they've, they've got fans that have been fans of their clubs for years and years and years. It's their whole life, isn't it? And their whole life now could be, you know, it's, if people's lives haven't been disrupted enough. If you lose your football club, that's been your life forever. Imagine... Well, look at Wigan. How did, how, I mean, I, I'm devastated for Wigan. Like seven yeah. years ago, they won the FA Cup and they yeah. were really, a really, really well-run club. Now, they, they had um, a 15-year-old kid who everyone knew about already. Even clubs in the, in, the, in Bundesliga again, they were, they were already looking, after, looking for him. And um, you know, they, they've had loads of good quality uh, players coming through their academy. And fucking those white team, you know, down the road that won't be named, they ended up getting that 15-year-old kid, you know, for no- virtually nothing, you know, off Wigan. And they mm-hmm. could, Wigan could have made a fortune out of it. But because they're stupid... Oh, God, you know, we all know the story anyway. They've lost, lost nearly all their squad and they were the most informed team in the championship last year and they're down in League, in League One now and they're yeah. virtually in the threat of going out of business through no fault of their own whatsoever. You know, we, we, you know... We, Nobody really cares, do they? That's the problem. Well, Nobody we should, cares. shouldn't we? You know, we no, should. We should, of course, we should. I, I, you know, I, I'm a football fan. You know, and I, I would go and see any football match if it, if, if I, uh, the chance arose. And yeah. I really think we should protect these clubs. So no, we need no. to do our bit. We need to do our bit and and help. So I, I really think we should do really put pressure on to do something like this. Just, I mean, we're all worrying about paying Sky back for because they didn't get their product that they paid for last year. I mean, whose fault's that? Yeah. It's, it's, oh, you know, right. Yeah. Sky are losing money. I've got no sympathy for them at all. Oh, my God. It yeah. just makes your heart bleed, doesn't it? It makes your heart bleed. <laughs> yeah, I'm honest. No, but unfortunately, all the clubs there, like you said, are having to pay the money back. So he's putting pressure on the clubs. I mean, it? it's just stupid that <laughs> yeah. we finished. We finished. Yeah. We put all the players, all the medical staff, all the clubs, the rest of the club staff in danger to finish the league last season just because of Sky. Yeah. You know, we, and we did it. And, and we did it really, really back. well. We, and we still got to pay our money back. So, uh, let's, I mean, why the hell? It don't just end all that stuff. And the Premier League could do it themselves uh, using yeah. a Netflix type, um, you know, uh, yeah. for, format. And uh, it'll be easy. And you could, like I said, at different stages. I mean, it, they would all be cheaper than an Arsenal season ticket if you, even if you wanted to watch all of the every single game from all four leagues, you know, throughout the season. And you know, you could charge five hundred quid for the full package, for example. You know, and watch all four divisions if you wanted to, or just pay a you know hundred quid just for the Arsenal one or whatever. But you imagine Arsenal amount of millions of fans of Arsenal have got around the world. Who wouldn't pay that? You know, and they would make a fortune. Yeah. So That's, it makes so, it's so much sense. It would make sense, but unfortunately, as Jonathan said, it makes too much sense. So that's why it probably won't happen unless there's massive amount of pressure put on the put on Sky, put on the Premier League, and put on <clears> because they're the ones ultimately you can decide it because they're in control, aren't they? And um, we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that the smaller clubs need to be supported as much as anything because they're the ones who can't survive this. The Premier League clubs will probably be able to survive most of them, you would imagine, no matter what happens. Um, I, yeah, Winston's just um, just put um, a little message on there. Um, tweet or DM the, the Premier League. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, what we need to do, if we clip, clip, the, clip this end bit, where we're talking about this, make it into its own little video, and we need to all 
just keep retweeting it and retweeting it and retweeting it and get, try and get it out to everyone. But all the BBC, everyone, and you know all the people that are linked to it, and uh, try yeah. and get it talk people talking about it. Get a, a petition going to say this needs sorting out now. Uh, uh, it, it would solve the problems virtually overnight, and uh, it, all, it, it wouldn't take it wouldn't take a day or two to set up the. Um, the software to, to actually do that sort of Netflix type, all the um, all the all the technology is there already, you know. Yeah. So they need all the all the every single ground, like you said earlier, Richard. They've all got the the cameras already set up. Everything's already in place for it yeah. to, to be done overnight, near enough. So you know, it's it just, just need to do it because we're just being ripped off left, right, and centre, and we're being held to ransom by Sky. Uh, for no reason at all. It doesn't. It's not necessary. Not it sky was, needed it was anymore. Top, it was top of the ridiculous kickoff times. Um, that you know, eight o'clock on a Monday night. You know, away at the Sheffield United. And I know with fans not going, that's probably not so important. I guess at that at this point. But well, no, no, that's something we haven't even discussed. That wouldn't have to happen anymore. You know, no, it's no. just you know, and the the, yeah. the I think that rule of not televising matches at three o'clock on a Saturday. Was was from back in the field forties, fifties, and sixties. You know, one of the, it's not relevant anymore because it just doesn't make sense because it doesn't stop people from going to football. Uh, at the moment, no one's got the choice of going to football. So uh, I don't know. We can go on. I can literally go on about this for hours, but I know we've been going on for ages anyway. But yeah, we, we do, honestly. It's, it's a, you know, I think with the season about to start and the situation being as it is with fans obviously not being able to go to the games now for indefinitely, probably. I know that they're still going to try to get some, um, doing some trial games in Scotland, aren't they? Uh, I think at the weekend still, they're still going ahead with them. Um, but realistically, I don't think it's going to be popular. So it's a good time to, to debate this subject, really. It's a good time for something to, to be put forward to try to make it change because... I don't think it can be sustained as it is as it was at the end of last season. If it's going to be this whole season of no fans and the games having to be shown um, and Sky having to be involved to the extent that they are, then we need to find a way of stopping that, letting the clubs take control of it themselves. And that's going to be the way forward because that's going to save a lot of these financial issues that clubs have. It's going to help, isn't it? Certainly. It's not going to solve them all. Let's, let's, let's be clear. But... It's going to certainly help to solve a lot of the problems. Certainly well, for the small clubs, and I think he said it. It's not going to solve all the problems. Like I said, I ain't going to go. Over it. I think that the League One and League Two clubs, especially, will be better off. They'll yeah. be better off yeah. than yeah. they were. They are at the moment with the Sky deal and yeah. or the whatever deals that they've got to to televise their games. They get next to nothing. They get peanuts. Yeah. But if we, if you did something like that, where you could actually get a season ticket to include the whole league, and it got spread out worldwide then they they would be better off than they are now and i'm sure arsenal would be and i'm sure man you know man united and liverpool and man city would be as well the only problem is probably the con the contract that's still running with sky and with bt and with the others isn't that's, wow. that's a problem as well probably at the moment but well apparently know. apparently according to sky contracts don't mean nothing because we still finish the league but they still want 30 percent of the money back so yeah, exactly. what what was that contract like you know so <laughs> It's all right if it works in their favour, mate. It's all right if it works in their favour. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that would probably be a, an issue as well. But anyway, like yeah, said, but... going about this forever. And maybe it might be worth perhaps doing a show about it just, just on this one day. You know, yeah. once we know exactly where 
what the situation is in terms of fans going back to the ground and stuff like that. But I think we'll wrap it up now for tonight anyway, because so we've been going sort of over, over two hours. It's been it's been great. I've been really enjoyed. I hope you guys have as well. I mean, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on. Obviously, James as well, who's um, obviously had to shoot off um, a little while ago. Um, if we, Alex, if we just go to you, just, just tell everyone again where they can find you um, on social media. Yeah, you can catch me on uh, YouTube or For The Arsenal, as is, is there, and on social media, on Twitter, is for the Arsenal underscore. Uh, cheers for having me on. It's been a, a really good play, a good laugh on you tonight. Yeah, yeah no, it's good. Everyone, I say it's a great channel as well that Alex does. So if you haven't watched it yet, please um, have a look over there as well because he does some great stuff. So it's worth getting involved there. Obviously, subscribe to his channel as well. Uh, and Andrew, as well, again, just remind people where they can um, catch up with you. Yeah, I second what you just said, Rich, as well. Uh, Alex, you do an incredible job on your channel. It's um, you know, a really professional job. It's, good. it's a great show that you do. And the same with you, Rich. Um, so uh, don't worry about my channel. Yes, my channel is all shit compared to your two's. But it's from, <laughs> the, from Dale Square to where uh, on YouTube. No, seriously. I think we do some good stuff on there as well. It's all common sense. Um, same as you two guys. I think that, uh, yeah... If we get some subscribers between us, I'm always happy from day one. I've always been uh, happy to cross-pollinate, shall we say, with the Arsenal community. I think there's enough room for all the uh, Arsenal channels out there. And I think uh, that if everyone else had the same attitude, the world would be a better place. <laughs> and again, I just want to say, you know, Andrew's channel is great as well. So if you, again, if you haven't um, watched that at all, go over there and have a look at that because there's some great stuff on there as well so you know anything any channel that covers Arsenal to me is a a good thing you know there's a lot of negativity around but you know some people enjoy that which is fine I'm going to try and keep my channel positive and I know you guys like to be positive I mean Andrew no definitely we're going to finish second or third. I think we're going to finish third as well Alex thinks we're going to be top four so between us we are pretty optimistic and pretty positive which is good let's hope that we're still feeling like this at Christmas time and going into the new year and let's hope it has more Gone, gone wrong for us. I'm sure it won't very much better. so. And uh, can I just say one thing as well? Thank you for everyone on Twitter who has sent me really, really kind, uh, really quite heartwarming, uh, moving messages lately, supporting me through my troubles. And hopefully, I'll be back doing my own show soon as well. But thank you ever so much for everyone for your support. It means the actual world to me at the moment. Thank you. And it's good, it's good to have you back on um, back on the channel again and back on the back on the podcast talking about Arsenal, which is obviously what's uh, important as well, isn't it, to get you back yeah. on? Yeah, no, so. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's uh, it's really given me a bit of a boost during a good time. Good. And hopefully Saturday will give you a bit of a boost as well when we win. Well, yeah. do you know what? I've uh, <laughs> do you know what I did? Because I, I won't long story, but I've actually booked um, a stadium tour for Saturday to take me and my boys down there. Uh, because I had a, an email come through saying children go free at the moment, which is a really good deal. So all four of us are going for four, for 25 quid. And I forgot that we had the early kickoff on Saturday, so I booked it for one o'clock. So I'm going to have to <laughs> watch a rerun of the match and try and not hear the score. But I think that's a bit difficult, considering I'm actually going to be inside the Emirates. They, they've the time, so. time for TV, the only reason. They did no need to play at half 12, is there? No, yeah. no, exactly. So I'm not going to be able to see it live, which is a shame. However, I've never done the stadium tour before, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, that'll be good, I'm sure. You enjoy yes. that. Yeah. So you can yeah. get a picture of the FA Cups at the moment as well, I believe. So yeah, be exactly. Yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. 
No, thanks, thanks for yourself, and obviously Alex as well. And I say James, who was who was on earlier. Thanks for all the comments in the uh, in the chat as well, Jonathan. If there's nice comments there um, as well, he says maybe talking about a title challenge next year. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about one now, actually. So, <laughs> well, he could be talking about from January onwards. Uh, that's next year, technically. So. Until we've lost two or two or three games, I'm going to st- keep talking about a title challenge. <laughs> Um, that's just because we want to be positive on it. We can sign uh, Lionel Messi on a pre-contract in January as well. So, oh, well, there you go. So, yeah, say so thanks to everyone in the chat as well. Thanks to everyone for watching. And if you haven't subscribed to my channel, please do because I'm near 100. I don't know if it's gone up well. This has been on there. I'll check afterwards. But I was only about five away, I think. So, hopefully, I can get there before the weekend. Anyway, I'll be doing some live stuff for the game, for match reports and stuff like that as well. So. Um, obviously check out that check out these guys channels as well and as well James as well check, follow James on Twitter because he does some great interviews as well they are really worth worth um, checking out as well so so thanks everyone for tonight thanks for all the all my guests I hope you all enjoyed the show thanks for watching everyone if you're watching it back later as well if you enjoy it uh, give it a thumbs up and of course subscribe to the channel um, and I'll speak to you guys again over the weekend and hopefully we've got a good result on um, on Saturday and in the meantime of course I always end the same way so I'm not going to be any different today come on you gunners See you later, Gunners. Take care. Arteta in his first season becomes the first player to not only captain, but now manage Arsenal to an FA Cup victory. I want to tell you what I talk to the lads about every day. What it means to be part of our family. You listening, bro? Yeah, man. Listening. A strong family. First, there is the non-negotiables. Respect. Humility. Belief. And it's okay to get angry, to raise our voices, as long as it comes from the right place. And even though family can hurt us like nobody else, remember, they are the ones who raise us up. When people come to our house, try to divide us because they know our family and what our shirt means. What else for life? What else for life? Let them know we can't be divided. And it will take all of us together. Because we know where we belong. So when the challenges come, you will tell them. This is family. This is family. This is family. This is family. This is, family. This is, family. This is Arsenal.